Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 54, Long Claw Descended. I'm Scatty and I have with me as always Matt. Yellow. Brief summary, what we'll be covering this week. We're doing a feast with dragons or feast dance or I don't know, we call it a whole bunch of different things. But what it is, fucking is it's, it's us reading A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons at the same time. As you probably know, the books came out one after the other. A Feast for Crows came out first. A Dance with Dragons came out a few years later. But they run parallel to each other. They're happening at the same time in the timeline of A Song of Ice and Fire. So we are reading them in, uh, in that special reading order. You can find it on our website, DavosFingers.com. Or you can find it by the people who originally made it, Game of Owns, at uh, afeastwithdragons.com. Right, Scad? Is that what it is? Yes. I always forget. A Feast with Dragons, yes. Yes, afeastwithdragons.com. They've got a nice little reading order that they've uh, figured out, and we're just, we're just lifting it straight from them. Today, we are going to be, as always, discussing five chapters from those two books. The first one is Samwell Number 1 from A Feast for Crows. John 2 from Dance Dragons, Brienne 2 from Feast for Crows, Tyrion 3 from uh, Dance with Dragons, and Davos 1, also from A Dance with Dragons. So, we'll have fun with that. Uh, right now, we are in the midst, well, I wouldn't say in the midst, we are in the opening matchups of A Song of Madness. Well, by the time this episode comes out, we'll, we'll be in the midst our, of it. We'll be, we'll only have like six Six players left, I think. Oh, that's Something. crazy. It goes so fast. Yeah, maybe, maybe eight. Maybe eight. Yeah. It's going awesome. We are. Yeah, it's it. a lot of fun. I, it's, I, for, I forgot how fun it was la- you know, last year when we did it, and mm-hmm. it's been great. We've, got, we've gotten, I feel like, more questions this year about how, maybe, maybe we got them last year too, but some questions. I, I think uh, our, our good friend, Anne, uh, sweet YFT, whom I adore. Uh, she asked, you know, for us to cover a little bit in the cast, maybe like how we came up with the seating and, you know, kind of how we made choices of who gets, who goes where. Uh-huh. And I think she used the word analytics, which I may have used in the previous <laughs> cast too. That would, that's, that's, uh, it's that's pushing it a way more credit than what I did. So uh, maybe the process real quick is like actually three years ago, I think, yes, or, or maybe two and a half years ago, we came up with this idea to do this. And we started just batting around names. And I think we had, like, we originally even thought we might go to 128 names. Yeah, and we had, something. like, people left we, over after that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, the list was crazy big. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And, we, you know, we, we went through the painstaking process of cutting it down to 64. Which sucked. That was which so su- hard. Yeah, it did suck. And, uh, yeah, we've gotten a few comments from people. I know there was a guy that was upset uh, that we didn't include Euron. Euron, good um, point. I mean, he's a pretty major character. Yeah, you have people like old man. You have people like yeah, old man was missed. Yeah, they <laughs> sort of mentioned that. Um, so actually, I think old man was in it last year. She was. And, she got yeah, trashed. We, yeah, we replaced a few people this year, just honestly, just for fun. Right. I mean, the reality is, anybody you play, anybody you replace and add as like a sixty seed, they're gonna get trashed by a number <laughs> one seed get anyway. Beat. And so. <laughs> We add Ed, and uh, the Closed Door podcast got pissed. They're like, that's a rough matchup for Jamie, and they were right. <laughs> it uh, came down, yep, it came close. Uh, it came closer than any one one seed should. But 
Uh, Courtney Penrose was just for me, just because I love him so much. Scad was gracious yeah. enough to put him in there. But. <laughs> we put Courtney Penrose in there. He hasn't had a matchup as of this cast, but right. I'm sure he'll be long gone by the time the episode yeah. releases. No, you're on Greyjoy, but we got Courtney C.K. Penrose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's legitimate beef, I understand. Yep. Uh, Total bias, and we wear it proudly. Yeah, but he, you know, we, we also kind of, uh, you know, to reward... You know, listeners of the mm-hmm. cast, because tons of people that participate on that Twitter poll don't even listen to the cast, I'm, I'm sure. Right. Um, but, you know, to reward those, you know, you guys in the Kalasar, we kind of put some characters in there that are maybe uh, podcast favorites, uh-huh. just for fun. Um, so, anyway, the, the process was beyond seeding them. So, last year when we actually cut it down to 64, we kind of just seeded them just on gut of who who the most important characters were. And we didn't really think too much about, like, are they popular? Will people vote for villains? We didn't kind of think about that that much. We thought about it um, purely in terms of story, right? Yeah, like story importance, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, like re- like relevance or meaningfulness to the story. Um, which is why, you know, like, I think seriously last year was like an eight seat or something and, like, got trounced, right? And uh, But she so did we, this you know, year, too. <laughs> and she got, yeah, she got beat this year, too. But I slid her all the way down to, like, a 24 seed. An extra slider again. So that's kind of what we did. Is like I tried to go back and look at last year's results, and analytics again is way too strong. But I just tried to take into account like how people were formed. I moved people up. I bounced people around a little bit. Um, you know that had an effect also of getting new matchups, mm-hmm. um, which which is good. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's going pretty well. Um, but it, it, it's very much more of a more of an art than a science. It's just kind of by feel, <laughs> right? Which is going great. You've done a wonderful job. Scad uh, did the bulk of the work in preparing the seeds and stuff. I kind of do the bulk of the actual Twitter work, and uh, yeah. it works out nicely. So we're having fun yeah, with I'm, it. Yeah, I'm a little bit more active on the Twitter during Song of Madness than I usually am. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, did, I did the bulk of the work in prep, and he's doing the bulk of the work during the run, which uh, that's far more work for him than it was for me. I doubt <laughs> it. Up. I doubt but, it. I just get to anyway. talk. I just get to talk to people, which you're joining in too, That's which true. is great. And that that really is the best part of all of this is true. just yeah. meeting new people, uh, you know, japing with with old friends. It's it's fantastic. We love it. And getting so, some new ones, yeah. you know, obviously we, it's fun. But we also hope that we get you know some exposure and get some some new people joining the Kalasar and stuff. Yeah, but uh, I, I do remember after last a Song of Madness, we had, uh, I wouldn't say a mass exodus, but a bit of an exodus in terms of numbers of followers dropping yeah. off after they realized that we aren't just a, a Twitter handle that does tournaments all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm out of here. That's it. That's all they're doing. Uh, Peace out. Uh, and also, just a quick apology. I, I think we we told our Facebook post our Facebook followers that we'd try to mm-hmm. engage on the Twitter poll. Matt and I talked about it, and we just didn't see a really good way to do it. Um, and we're sorry about that. Um, we wanted to. We we talked about a few ideas, but it just didn't. We didn't think it made sense. A- any anything that we would do would cause some discontinuity in the results and people wouldn't know what the real numbers were unless they were logging into both places and things. Yeah, it was it's, just, it was tricky. Yeah. Consolidating was, was stuff sure. and being transparent yeah. with results. And yeah, it's, it's hard, but it wasn't a decision we made lightly. No, we do have a goal I'm, for next year. Do we want to talk about the goal? I, I worry that we won't come through, but <laughs> we've already <laughs> we're said so it. awful at delivery. <laughs> we, we hope, we hope, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it broadly. We hope next year, 
for a song of madness by the time we have a song of madness we'll have a more legitimate website that will allow people to interact with the website to vote um so so anyone can go to the website anyone and vote, could go not yeah, just right. twitter followers yeah and i don't know that might hurt our participation because people got to click away i don't know we'll see but uh, that's our hope you know mm-hmm. it could be more interactive and you know maybe images and more content and things like that yeah uh, and then more flexibility for anyone that doesn't follow on the twitter so anyways yeah all right song of madness good yep i think that was brief enough but went into how we got there all right so uh back to dava's fingers so we are spoiler free uh, you all know that until the end of the podcast we've got a special segment then called dava's after dark and uh when it comes we'll warn you don't worry matt's got a nifty little jingly wrote and uh we'll also tell you so if you don't want spoilers, just jump off at that time. And if you want to contact us, you know, suggest topics for future episodes, ask questions, just shoot the breeze with us for a while. We love hanging out with you guys uh, virtually, of course. So you can find us at DavosFingers.com. You can email us at WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. Sometimes it, it takes a bit for us to respond, but the responses are always well thought out and long and juicy and good. So uh, Twitter at Davos Fingers. That's where we hang out a lot. You find and like us on Facebook. We love uh, our Facebook friends as well. So let's see. So today's episode is going to kick off with something that we, I don't think we've seen yet in the books. Yeah. And that is... Two, or again, I don't think. I don't even remember. Uh, if there is something, I don't recall it. But two chapters from two different POVs that are occurring at the exact same time. So we're going to mash those two chapters together and present them as one kind of chapter summary that SCAD has worked tirelessly on. Uh, and that is uh, Samwell 1 from Feast for Crows and John 2 from A Dance with Dragons. So unless there's anything else, SCAD, want to take us there? Yeah, I'll take you there. Am I going to take you anywhere? Are we going to do both songs? Yeah, we'll just play both songs. Both songs, back to back. Yeah, just Jack. back to back songs. Huh. Where we're going up north, where the winter's cold and the icicles bloom like the bluest rose. We haven't met his mom, but we love his wolf. He's John Snow. You don't think that you belong here, but boy, let me tell you, you do. Samuel Tarley, they can hardly keep your dreams from coming true. Slaying things that'll make the bravest shiver. Time and time again, boy, you deliver. Slaying, fighting, reading, and writing. Samuel, boy, this world was made for you. So, yeah, as Matt said, uh, try to enjoy this. It's long. It's it's a it's a long summary. Hopefully That's what she my, said. Uh, Yes, a long summary? No, oh, try to enjoy this, part. it's long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to mash them together. I'm going to switch between POVs for some of these chapters that are together, and so it's kind of both of their thoughts at some time. So bear with me, it's it's new for, for all of us, but hopefully you, guys, hopefully you guys like what we're laying down. All right, so here we go. Sam John. Studious Sam sits sleepily, studying stacks of surrounding stories. Stories of the Night's Watch. Stories of the others. This is the dustiest, least well-kept library ever. His best friend, the mouse, joins him as he pours through tome after tome. A mouse that he should kill as they eat the books, but which, in a show of Sam's gentle nature, he just can't bring himself to do. 
Though tired and hungry and feeling guilty for remaining so long down in that dusty library, this is what Sam loves. This is where Sam belongs with these books and learning. More is the pity, though. His candle is running out, and the hunger is getting the better of him, so he makes his way to the surface. As he does, he sees men working on the stairway at a breakneck pace. You remember that stairway got destroyed when the others attacked from the south side of the wall. Um, Sorry, did I say others? When the wildlings attacked from the south side uh, of the wall. And uh, Sam looks up and remembers that if dragons were here 200 years ago, and they would have just flown to the top. And he ponders dragons at the wall. He is then summoned to see John by Ed Tollett. Lord Snow wishes to see you as soon as he is done with Crofter's wife. Craster's wife. Gilly. So for more on that conversation, we now go to John. John waits for Gilly and considers his options. He can't send this letter he has, can he? Thankfully, he's interrupted from those thoughts by Ed. Gilly has arrived. And he then orders Ed Ed to go get Sam. So... Gilly kneels before non-King John, and John corrects her probably for the hundredth time. You don't kneel for the leader of the Night's Watch. Uh, The babes, that's hers and Mance's babes, remember, she's kind of uh, feeding both of them, are doing well. They're both eating. They're both strong-ish. It's Mance's son that John really wants to discuss, though. Gilly fears that John might want to sacrifice him like they want to do to Mance's kid, or sorry, to Mance himself. But John indicates that Gilly, the Gilly alone can save the babe by switching them. He insists that she she switches Mance's son with her own son and leave the wall and leaves her own child behind as she travels to the Reach. So basically a nice baby swap, take Mance's kid with her, leave hers at the wall. John indicates that the babe is in danger whenever Mel desires another sacrifice. If she sacrifices Mance the way... They've been talking about doing. As soon as they're done with his blood, they'll need more royal blood, and guess who's in line? His kid. So, at this urging, Gilly agrees to take both babes. No, John says, not both. They'll come after Mance's babe if, you, if they know that you took him. We need to convince Stannis and Mel that you're taking only your own child. You'll take one boy, though, and that one Dalla's boy. She resists, but John threatens her babe's life. Your child is safe after you leave tells her. He also intimidates Gilly, having her touch a flame, like the flame of a candle, as a preview of what the babe will actually feel if it burns. He doesn't like doing this to her, but for the first time we hear this mantra inside his brain, kill the boy. He promises to to, to, to Gilly to raise this child, to teach him how to ride, hunt, fight, read, and write. Still, though, she resists, and she can't imagine leaving her child behind. Then the final stroke. John promises to straight-up murder her child on the day Mance's son is burned if she doesn't go through with this plan. With that threat, Gilly consents and departs the room. And shouldn't Sam be here by now? I feel like Ed went to get him a long time ago. Well, Sam has been distracted by his friends a little bit. He's on his way, but not until after they've teased him about Gilly, about missing dinner last night, about being a shitty archer, and then maybe a touch more seriously, they needle him a bit about info on John. To be honest, they feel a little bit left behind by their friend. And he's now their leader, and he no longer makes time for them. Sam has no answers, though, to this to this observation, and so he just goes to meet John, running into Gilly on the way and dropping some books and having some awkward conversation about babes sucking from her boobs. Uh, and uh, she departs, and finally he goes into John's room. Now, bear with me, true believers. This is the part where it gets a little weird. Um, 
the two PV POVs the exact same time, the exact same scene. So bear with me. So the first thing that happens, I think, sets the tone for this whole discussion. Uh, Mormont's Raven, trying to get corn, strikes through Sam's glove and draws blood. John's advice is to toughen up, Buttercup. Wear thicker gloves. Yep, it's going to be that kind of convo. So, why is Sam here? Well, first, he's here about that letter that John was considering earlier. Avon has written a paper shield uh, that is not sitting well with John. He's trying to protect the Night's Watch in the event Stannis loses the war. It's important to remember that, like, to everyone outside of this little Night's Watch bubble, it appears that the Night's Watch is cozying up to Stannis. They're giving him food, castles, land to Stannis and his men. But they aren't his men, and the letter insists that. They're just working with him to defeat the enemy. They're not his men. John needs Sam's guidance here, though, to be honest. He's not feeling this letter. He wants to crush the Lannisters, see them driven before him, and hear the lamentations of their women, not suck up to them as this letter is doing. Sam convinces him of the merits, though. He says this is needed. If Stannis loses, we're going to need this protection. And so he's right, John knows, and he does end up signing it. They aren't done, though. There's lots more for these two lovebirds to talk about. First, John lies about the reason Gilly was here, indicating she was pleading for Mance's life. Guys, he's lying to Sam here about something that, honestly, he's just about to tell him anyway. Then Sam lets slip that the castle is flush with rumors of sacrifice of Mance's royal blood to wake dragons. Basically, the whole castle is talking about how they're going to kill, burn Mance to wake up some dragons. John kind of dismisses this as gossip and tells people they shouldn't be talking about it. Next, John reveals that Gilly is being sent away. Why lie about it, John, if you're going to tell him anyway in two minutes? Finally, though, they get to talk about others. The reason Sam was in the library in the first place, but his findings thus far aren't really that helpful. First off, the historical rep records for the others aren't really that reliable. They are written thousands of years after any events with others even occurred. This would be like me writing an eyewitness account for an, or an opinion piece of some kind on the wars of Spanish succession, which I know nothing about, with zero supporting documentation. Additionally, there are huge timeline gaps. Hell, e even the Night's Watch's own record of its Lord Commanders seems to be off. We're supposed to believe John is the 998th Commander, but the only list Sam finds goes 600 and something. So, anyway, he did find lots of stuff about others, but we already know almost all of it. And John has zero patience for hearing stuff that he already knows. But we did hear one kind of new thing. Dragon steel is effective against others. And pretty much John and everyone else assumes that that means Valyrian steel. I remember Valyrian steel comes from Valyria, dragons, Valyria, dragon steel, Valyrian steel. Anyway, it's an effective weapon against the others, and that's new information. Sam implores for more time. He certainly can find more helpful information on the others. But no, he's out of time, John tells him. Sam, you, Maester Amon, and Darian are going with Gilly south to the Reach. Sam's going to become a maester to replace Amon with the Night's Watch. Now, this is where this kind of gets interesting. It's pretty clear from John's POV that he doesn't know the real fear he's instilled in Sam in this request. And reading these two passages from the different POVs is pretty fascinating. John notices nothing about the dread, and Sam's inner monologue is just going batshit crazy. Oh, man. He's going to be near Hornhill, where he was from. He has to serve, which his father said Tarleys would never do. He must wear a chain, which sounds very, very unpleasant to Sam. There's, there's some very scary underlying baggage around being chained up, which just might bring Randall Tarley a step closer to Craster mm -hmm. in the worst father in Westeros sweepstakes. Mm -hmm. So Sam 
while, while John's telling him that he's going, he's fighting all of this. He's trying to give every reason he can think of to stay. You need me here. Amon will die if he goes. Darien can do this all without me. I'm scared of blood. I can't be a maester. They have to heal people. And John, he's heard enough. He snaps. He orders Sam not to show his fear. He has faced others. He's become a member of the brother, uh, brother of the Night's Watch. And he owes the Night's Watch his servitude. Kill the boy, we hear in John's thoughts again. And as he tells him to serve, Sam says, oh, I'll try. Try not. Try not. Do or do not. There is no try. Sam hunches over and agrees and leaves. <laughs> as he leaves, like a child, he kind of starts thinking of ways he can escape this fate, including going down and hiding in the library. But it's actually Amon who kind of sets him straight. He says his father too objected when he wanted to serve, but that his grandfather saw the wisdom in it. Lord Snow is right, Amon assures him. Sam packs up everything and meets the others at the southern gate. Meanwhile, while Sam's been talking to Amon, John catches some sleep and does his rounds. He doesn't really find much, except for the wrong way rangers. The wrong way, huh? Well, men, Stannis apparently has sent south of the wall for an unknown reason. They're sending messages, they're going to make allies, we don't know. But he's doing it, and he didn't really tell John. but it's not really any of John's business, I guess. So anyway, keep that in your back pocket. It's knowledge for later, maybe. Then John too makes his way to the gate. Sam, Amon, Gilly, and the babe are ready to rock it in two wanes with an escort of about a dozen rangers to head over to Eastwatch by the Sea. They say their goodbyes. It isn't teary, but it is effective. Gilly making John promise to take care of the babe... John reminding Sam to use his hood. The snow is messing his hair. Sam noticing a strange look in John's eye, but not knowing that John is reminded of his goodbye with his brother Rob. At least, that's my opinion. Sam departs, but John's story continues. And as a good commander should, John shifts his thoughts immediately from the departure to the next task at hand, manning the wall. The wall is too weak and too many points. Enter Giant and John of Slint. Um, Giant is a ranger that's been with the Watch for a long time, and John of Slint everyone knows and hates. So both will be given command of 30 men, 20 rangers and 10 of Stannis' men, to garrison one of the 17 castles that are currently not being held. Icemark for Giant and Greyguard for Slint. They'll help reduce the number of weak spots on the wall. So Giant accepts with a little bit of modesty, but Slint throws it back in his face. And I will read that to you real quick, if I can find it. No, I will not go meekly off to freeze and die. No traitor's bastard gives commands to John O'Slint. I am not without friends, I warn you. Here and in King's Landing, too. I was the Lord of Harrenhal. Give your ruin to one of the blind fools who cast a stone for you. I will not have it. Do you hear me, boy? I will not have it. Excuse me? Baking powder? Baking powder? Yeah. So Slint storms off after that, and John... Tries to be patient. He waits until the morning to see if Slint comes to his senses. Spoiler, he doesn't. Slint is given one more chance amidst the breakfasting brothers to follow orders. Instead, he insults John again, telling him to stick his order up his bastard's arse. Please take Lord Jonas to the wall and hang him, returns John. A crucial moment passes here, wherein everyone in the room seems to be deciding whether their loyalties should require action. Draw swords... Throw punches, what, what should we do here? But Alistair Thorne stands aside as they escort Jonos to the wall. They drag him, ready to hang him, but John steps up, stops them. He says, it's not right. Thinks it's not right. I'll not hang him. <laughs> While Jonos smiles, an evil victory smile, John pauses. Ed, 
fetch me a block. Oh! As Stannis looks on, Jonas is forced, whimpering to the block, asking for his last sniveling words, and is summarily executed in the Stark style as Longclaw descended. And that is the end of the chapters. You need a break for a minute? Holy cow! <laughs> Was that as long as it felt? Uh, what she said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it went pretty quick. I didn't keep minutes. I didn't keep time, but that was good. Well, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Uh, okay, so, man, lot, lots happening. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, perhaps uh, the baby switching? That whole plot? Oh, man, that broke my heart, the baby yeah. switching did. Yeah, so this is something that John had kind of laid the seeds for in a previous chapter when he was talking uh-huh. to Stannis. Uh, you know, he kind of uh, indicated that. I think I think what he said was that Gilly's boy was strong, and and Dallas boy was weak, right? To try to try to like confuse the identities early, um, because it's the opposite. And she'll yeah. take the she'll take the strong one with her, and make them think it's her child. Uh, so pretty brilliant from John, kind of laying that seed early. Yeah. But uh, yeah, emotionally, just ugh, Gilly. Man, I mean, I just can't imagine choosing to leave your child behind. And John, just do you think he's bluffing? Well, mm, a part of me, yes, because we know from John's POV that he's as human as human can be, that he empathizes and everything. But we also know from his POV that he's trying his darndest to kill the boy. Right? Yes. Not kill the baby boy, boy but kill no. the John Snow boy. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I kind of passed through that in the summary just because I had to cut some stuff. But uh, Amon basically consulted John on this. And, yeah. Um, th- this was advice that Amon gave to Egg uh, from the Duncan, Duncan Egg stories. His little brother. When Egg was ascending the throne. Yeah, it's his brother. Said, you, you're a great dude. You need to kill the boy and be be a man you got to be harsh this is a tough job and you need to be aggressive and strong Mm -hmm. and not necessarily the intellectual lovely boy you are and uh and and he gives the same advice to john here which we hear i don't know several times in his head uh kill the boy kill the boy which is basically just saying you toughen up buttercup you can't you can't go easy on these people we got to make harsh harsh decisions that are going to change the reality of perhaps this entire continent right right uh i agree um there's something to be said for for bringing your own style of leadership into something and being yourself but the reality of any leadership position is is you're gonna have to make tough decisions that aren't gonna make everybody happy and you kind of have to grow up and be be big enough to make them be adult enough i was gonna say be man enough but women have to make those choices too so (laughs) Sure, I'm sure everyone will forgive you the metaphor right. or the phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about the uh, how about all this dragon waking stuff? So I've always been bothered by this dragon waking stuff. Sacrifice these people with supposedly the royal blood, and dragons will wake up. Mm-hmm. But at least on Dragonstone, there were fake dragons around. Like I don't know what I believe that you know the parapets were going to rise up and go from stone to flesh or. Or what? But there at least were dragons. What are they even expecting to happen here? 
you know that uh, the, the like the Power Rangers, dragons are just going to come out of a volcano, <laughs> come out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Power Rangers! That movie comes out next week. Were you were you a Power Rangers guy growing up? Briefly, I was already I was already a little too old for Power Rangers. But well, that makes me embarrassed because I I should have I mean I was too unbo- I was too old for I always watched X Men the animated series so yeah I was super into that uh-huh. and uh, but Power Rangers was on either right before or right after it I think uh-huh. um, and uh, I might be wrong about that I think that's true. But it was all. I was always kind of angry when it was on. When I was like X Men, just X Men. Uh-huh. You didn't. So I, I never got into Power Rangers. I can't imagine you being into Power Rangers. But... No, I'm not. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, and it didn't help Melisandre or all the people that are like, yeah, this waking the dragon stuff is bullcrap. You can't sacrifice people and wake dragons because. One of her sacrifices apparently worked. She sacrificed a, a, a Florent before Alistair Florent before she they went up to the wall, right? So that they would have good weather on their voyage up to the wall. And what did they end up having? Perfect weather. It was as easy as could be the voyage up there. Did did she? Wait a minute, though. So that's in the Davos chapter coming up. Yeah, which, that's fine. We can spoil yes, that. That's I, fine. I know. Uh, but go ahead. No, no. Please continue. Well. Well, the way I remembered reading that, I may have misread it, but the way I remembered reading that is she, when they had good wind, she used the execution of Alistair Florent to explain the good wind. Sure. She didn't say ahead of time, okay, I'm going to sacrifice this guy and then we're going to have good weather. It was like, you know why we're getting this good weather, don't you? Because we sacrificed that non-believer. I don't remember it enough to challenge you on that, so I'll, I'll let you have it. I don't know. We'll leave that one as an unknown. I I feel that's what happened, but okay. we'll, Fair we'll enough. have to check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved uh I loved sitting down with the two books open and I'm sure you did this too, especially as you're writing the summary. One book in my left hand, the other book in my right hand, and comparing the Sam and John conversation. Oh. Uh, I I wish I could have done that. Just almost like paragraph by paragraph. For me, it was a pain in the ass because <laughs> I only have a hard cover of Dance with Dragons because I bought that one right when it came out and uh-huh. they only sell them in hard covers and I never bought a soft a soft copy. Uh-huh. So I can't I can't hold them. It's too big. I can't I can't <laughs> hold them both at the same time. So I'm having to like, you know, sometimes that's a good the problem. Books open to have. and like switch them back and forth. It being too big, it's, yeah, it's not a problem I'm familiar with. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, so, but yes, I uh, thematically yes, I enjoyed switching between them and seeing what the little differences were. Um, you know, the, the, one of the best ones was uh, when Sam is trying to not betray his promise to Bran. Yeah. Uh, J- John actually notes in his section of the POV, he says that made Sam give him a funny look, an or odd something look. like that. It was an odd, yeah, an look. odd, an odd look. And in Sam's POV, it's like, oh. I better not give this away that Bran is alive. Yeah. Don't say <laughs> it. Don't hilarious. say it. Don't say it. Yeah. I liked uh, in Sam's POV, 
he talks for like a page almost about Val and Mance and Melisandre yeah. and all that. And yeah. John just like, it's like a sentence. He's like, and then they talked for a while about Mance and Melisandre and fire and crap. It was almost as if Gurm was just too lazy to type the things out. <laughs> like, oh. I'm not going to type all that crap. I'm not going to go copy and paste it. I remember they talked about these things. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, same with the Osric Stark stuff. He said like, um, and then John, and then Sam said something about some Lord Commander from a long time ago or something. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if that's just like John's. Fact, I love the idea of Gurm just being lazy, but uh, is you think that's just indicative of like John's whole just attitude about this? Like, I've got more pressing things to worry about. I'm killing the boy here. Don't yeah. tell me about some ten year old Lord Commander from. 80,000 years ago, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh part of part of an ongoing theme of these two chapters. John has changed. And it's not even about his change as much as the way he spends his time has changed. Uh-huh. He doesn't have time to go hang out with Pip and Gran anymore, and that sucks for them. But he has other important things to do. He doesn't have time to hear all the stuff about others that he already knows. All the history about, you know, Osric Stark and the boy commanders that were 14 that were younger than he was like he's got other stuff to do those are nice stories to share over mulled wine you know but he doesn't have time for that right now and kudos to him for doing it right yeah his his brain is working on a different level now yeah in fact i loved that uh in in the exact passage when john's thinking kill the boy if you jump over to sam's pov at that point when he's thinking that it says that Sam notices his eyes go hard as ice. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's just super cool. Is, is that the part where he also says, this is Lord Snow I'm talking to, not John? Yes. Is that that part? Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. eyes went hard as ice, and then he knew who he was now talking to. Cool. Yeah. So I liked this, in other words. I loved seeing the two POVs together. Super well, it's cool. interesting. This, I didn't remember that we got this. In fact, when I started reading these chapters, I was like, oh, I didn't. I don't remember that he did this. I mean, it must have just been long enough between Feast for Crows when Dance with Dragons came out that I didn't remember that we'd had right. this scene. Well, and it happens and my... just at the beginning of Feast for Crows and also at the beginning of A Dance with Dragons. So you've got almost a whole book between, a whole book. Yeah. between you to forget. And with how much goes right. on in these books, it's... I think yeah. I remember, like, shades of it. Like, haven't I read this somewhere? But I never made the <laughs> connection that it was the exact same conversation. On rereads, I think I probably did feel that, but I was like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, of course I've read it before. I've read it before. Because I've read the book. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but, but the first time, yeah, I, I missed it probably because it had been years between Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons, or a little over a year for me. Uh-huh. Um, how about Ed Fetch Me a Block? Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we, I almost called talked... it Fetch Me a Block, the episode, but I liked, uh, yeah. I liked just the imagery and everything of... Longclaw descended. No, I loved it. I added it to my summary. Didn't end that way, uh, and then I saw your title. And I was like, "Oh, I can modify this." Yeah. Well, it um, kind of fits the theme of "Kill the Boy" and everything, and so for sure, yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah, it does. What What do you think of his decision to to kill Janos? Was that too harsh? Was that making him more enemies, perhaps, than it's worth, or was it something he really had to do? Well, first off, I want to say literally, just brilliant. We talked we've talked about this on this cast before. The way the way George flips a scene mm. and he flips this scene three times in the space of like a page <laughs> when he tells him to take him to the wall. Like he calls his bluff 
And then he stops him from being taken to the wall. You're like, okay, he's going to relent. And then he flips it again when he fetches the block. It's it's pretty masterful manipulation of the reader. Uh, but I don't know, man. It, it's I, I, th- I think it's a perfect capstone to what we've been to saying about chapter. this chapter, yeah. which is... He's killing the boy. You have to. You have to make hard decisions now. You are a man. You don't have time to listen to stories about fourteen-year-old commanders. You are sixteen or whatever he is now, and you have to act like a man. And this is what you have to do to keep all of these other men in line. Yeah, you don't have time to to cut this guy some slack. Who's going to turn around and stab you in the back later? You take care of this now. Maybe. Yeah, and and somewhat uh, somewhat maybe validated by the sense that Stannis is up there watching mm-hmm. and and he's he's a do what needs to be done kind of guy as well gives him an attaboy <laughs> get well i don't know that it was that affirmative but it was certainly not it was certainly not disapproval right yeah yeah so yeah i mean i i think it's what he needed to do uh you know and it, it was a nice tie back to the uh stark method uh-huh. right uh, of Lest you know, do this yourself, yeah, yep. Swing the sword yourself, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a nice, nice little callback there. There's one little bit in there that I wanted your opinion on. Uh, obviously, you get it from both both POVs. Um, they're talking about the first time they met Gilly, and and John says after they tell the story, the readers might remember. Uh, basically, Ghost kind of came up and scared her uh, against the against the wall of a barn kind door of out, her out, corner. out by Craster's yeah. house. Yeah, kind of had her cornered, and she's scared, you know, and basically thought the wolf was probably going to tear her apart, eat the baby inside her, and, and move on. Uh, but John says it was not the wolf she needed to fear. And <laughs> I, I want to know what you think about that. Who, who's, he, who's he referring to that she needed to fear? Hmm, that's a good question. So who's around? I mean, was it Craster? Was it the rest of the Night's Watchmen? Well, that's 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 the interesting part. So Sam responds, uh-huh. "It was Craster that she needed to fear." Right. Yep. And to me, that's I think John was talking about himself. Mm. Ironic with what he was about to do. With yeah, what he ends up doing. No, to that's her. probably right. Yep. But it's indicative that Sam doesn't see John at all, like he sees himself. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, Sam doesn't know that all the stuff with the baby switching, but he does know that he's sending her away, um, you know, on a somewhat uncertain fate. Um, you know, and Sam doesn't see John as he sees himself here. He's like, oh yeah, Craster is definitely who she needed to fear. And I think John's talking about himself. No, I think you're probably right. And it just goes to um, that, that John's a good guy and everyone thinks he's a good guy, but John knows that he can't, he can't always just be the good buddy, buddy guy. And yeah, even I, right. even I was thinking that when he was about to kill Janos, and he said, "Fetch me a block." I remember the first time I read that chapter, and I didn't think he was going to behead him. I thought he was just going to scare him straight and then give him yeah. another chance. Um, and I yeah. was super surprised when he actually did kill him. You uh, should have known by now. Germ's not going to go out like that. No, no, I know, right? So it's <laughs> it's one of those things where. I think John still wants to be Jon Snow, but at the same time, he can't just be that that really decent guy all the time. Well, and he's still a decent guy, but he's got to make harder decisions that he's never had the responsibility to make before. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. 
So, uh, I've only got a few few more things, maybe. One, uh, this stuff about Sam uh, going to, to be a macer. First of all, the Citadel needs from goddamn satellite schools. Because traveling all the way to Old Town is ridiculous. You gotta really want it, man. <laughs> like, man, let's, let's, you know... Give some give some knowledge to a couple other places in the continent so that we don't have to send the North send Campus, the Vale Campus. Yeah, something. The Westerlands Campus. Yeah, <laughs> we can get some new mascots too. Not just the uh, what was it the the mascot they came up with? Uh, I think it was the White Raven. The uh, the White Raven. Yeah, yeah the Old right. Town White Ravens. Yeah, the Old Town White Ravens. Rah rah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so. But, but out of, outside of that joke about satellite schools, uh, this is a big deal to Sam. So uh, apparently, oh man, he, Here apparently we go. he he saw his own strengths. He's like, hey, I like books. I'd be good at this. I can read and write. I could do the maester thing. My parents and want his, what's best for me. They want me to follow sure, my dreams. Sure, they'd love, and my dad probably would just love to have me out of the way. Right. <laughs> he doesn't like me nope. anyways. So he gets chained up essentially. Uh, by his chain father. around his neck, I think, by yep. his father and I think his arm, his wrists. Mm-hmm. And saying, if you want to wear a chain, but here you go. Man. I didn't I did not remember this from my previous reads. Um That guy, man. Uh, all this stuff. And say yeah. what you will about well, Randall Tarlow's just born in that environment, and that's just how he was raised, and blah 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 blah. And that's all well and good, but that's just common decency. You just don't do that crap, man. Yeah, I'm calling you out on that. I don't think that's all well and good. <laughs> that's the argument's that's, all well and good. It's argument. Cruelty. It's argument that I've made for Cersei. It's argument I've made for Jamie. So I understand the argument, but I don't apply it here. Yeah, it's 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 above and beyond. Yeah, yeah. it's horrific. I mean, it's uh... Tywin making Tyrion. Watch the rape of Taisha and then join in at the end. It's terrible. Yeah, maybe worse. I mean, it's not worse. It's not worse than <laughs> causing rape, but it's maybe worse torture. I mean, it you know, it's lasted day three days. I think. Oh yeah, that's what he said. Yep. I mean, yeah. No, I agree. Cer- certainly, raping someone is worse, but in terms of yeah, in yeah. terms of in terms of the yeah. actual yeah. violence wrought upon your own yeah. child. Right, yeah. Because it was violence. It was abuse. Yeah. It was yeah. absolute, clear-cut, 100% child abuse. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, you, got, uh, you got more stuff here? I just, uh, just one final thing. Just watching kind of Sam's evolution at the wall, it said that he was, quote-unquote, torn apart to leave Castle Black. Yeah, as much as he didn't want to go there originally right he's now he's found a home there that's his home he's torn up acceptance i mean he's still teased sometimes lightheartedly sometimes not lightheartedly depending on who's doing the teasing but he's got a family and he feels like he belongs and he feels like he's valuable which is something he probably never felt at horn hill he never felt like he was important and now he is yeah and and i don't think it's because of the sam the slayer thing it's not because he killed another and he's this minor celebrity at the wall now. I think it's just because he loves working with Maester Amon. He loves his friends. 
He loves being relied upon to read and write messages and find things out through study. And he's found like a niche, a place, you know. And he also probably loves not having to worry about being chained to a wall. Right. Yeah. He can he can take the the fat boy jabs. Yeah. I mean, it it is pretty crazy to think about. He's in basically imminent danger from otherworldly magical beings all the time. Uh, all the time, and yet he'd rather be there than be at home. Yeah. Cold, harsh conditions. It's not like yeah. oh, we've only got two more months of winter and then the sun's going to come out. Nope, it's all the time. You're going to be just yeah. cold. It's going to be miserable. Yeah. That's his home, man. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's it. All right. So uh, good stuff. I think we spent the perfect amount of time discussing what essentially was two chapters. So yeah. should we jump to Brienne? Sure. Jump, jump, jump on it. Jump, 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 everybody jump. If you could see what we could see. Oh, I swear you would believe Conviction, grace, and pride It's where the beauty resides You don't have to hide behind the lights Oh, your fate, they can't decide Well, Brienne, you'll always be A beauty to me so, The Never-Ending Story, Part 308, Brienne Searches for Sansa Stark. Ooh. Brienne has now arrived at Duskendale, where, although we don't get a ton of action this chapter, we are treated to some delicious world-building about this fascinating port town in the Crownlands. Because, you see, Duskendale had been, until about 23 years prior, ruled by the Darkland family. So at that time, 23 years ago, Lord Dennis Darkland decided to stop paying his taxes after the king's hand, Tywin Lannister, refused to grant them a charter of autonomy, similar to what Dorne had. So they wanted to be free and independent. Uh, Tywin Lannister says no. So Dennis Darkland says, well, I'm not going to pay my taxes then. Uh, Dennis then invites King Ares himself to hear his proposal in person at Duskendale, which Ares, for some reason, who knows why Ares does the things he does, accepted. And when Ares arrives in Duskendale, Dennis Darkland imprisons him within the walls of the Dunfort, and he's like, well, we got the king. What do we do now? Uh, Tywin Lannister, Hand of the King, comes and lays siege to the city. But the day was actually won for the crown when Kingsguard Knight Barristan Stelmy snuck into the city and single-handedly rescued the king. So now with his hostage lost, Dennis uh, surrenders and pleads for mercy, but Ares was having none of it, as Ares does. Instead, he had every single member of House Darkland rounded up and killed. Men, women, kids, anyone. And not to have his bloodletting satiated there, he also wipes out another house, House Hollard, who had been aligned with the Darklands. Well, all but one Hollard, a young boy named Dantos, hmm? who was spared what? at the behest of, behest of Barristan Selmy and sent to King's Landing to become a squire. And we all know how his his poor life turned out. Uh, we When Brienne enters the city, 
she stops by, first of all, a painter of good repute to get a new sigil painted on her shield. She'd had a, a shield that Jamie had found and had given her, which had the Lothston bat on it, which was a, a sigil as like a bad omen. It was like one that of ill repute. Um, so instead, she gets a new sigil painted on her shield, and she decides to get one that resembles a design she remembered seeing in her father's armory. A tree along the path of a falling star with like a setting uh, sunset colors in the background. <clears throat> so after spending the night in Duskendale, she continues asking around for Sansa, trying to decide uh, where to head next, even actually correctly deducing that Sansa could very well be at the Vale. She doesn't have much luck finding information, though. She gets lost in town. She has run-ins with little boys who are scared to death of her, etc. Uh, <laughs> she eventually ends up at the Seven Swords Inn, where she strikes up conversation with a holy brother who also happens to be a dwarf. <clears throat> she asks him her standard question, if, he, if he'd seen a maid of about 13 who'd been traveling with a knight who may have looked more like a fool. This dwarf, although amiable, doesn't seem to be a ton of help, although he does recall seeing a fool at Maidenpool who had been trying to find passage for three across the narrow sea. Brienne's confused. Uh, now, if this fool was Dantos Hollard, and then you got Sansa, who was the third member of the party? Tyrion? Hmm. Uh, but anyways, the dwarf continues, not long after they'd heard about this fool asking for passage, another fellow by the name of Nimble Dick was bragging that he'd fooled a fool and had the gold to prove it. <laughs> so he's run out of, uh, of intelligence to give her. So Brienne decides it's the best lead that she has. And she decides to head to Maidenpool to find some Nimble Dick. Uh, coming across the ruins of an old castle on her way there that probably belonged actually to House Hollard, Brienne decides to take shelter from the rain. And as she does, she notes that she was being followed. We're being watched. Prepping for a fight, noting by the size of the rider that it could actually be Ser Shadrach, the mad mouse from her last chapter, Brienne sneaks up behind the follower and whacks his horse in the old rump with her sword, causing the, the horse to spook and, and spill the rider. When this rider gets a hold of himself and climbs to his feet, Brienne notices it's actually just a kid, a boy aged 10 to 12, who can't even form a coherent sentence without stuttering pitifully. She recognizes him, though. He was the boy she'd run into earlier at Duskendale. Oh, yeah, and she'd also seen him in Rosby and at other times along her journey. So interrogating him, however a little more lightly now, she finds out his name is Podrick Payne. He'd served as a squire. Yeah. Today, Junior. He'd served as a squire for the Hand of the King. No, not Tywin. Tyrion, and knowing that Brienne was searching for Tyrion's wife, Sansa, Pod deduces that following Brienne could be his best chance of finding Tyrion. For, as Podrick says, I'm his squire, but he left me. Just like in Jurassic Park. He left us! He left us! <laughs> Brienne says, but that's not what I'm going to do. He left us! He left us! But that's not what I'm going to do. And that's, well, anyways, that's the end of the chapter. So look at this. You know, 
I never really liked paying taxes. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. So are you going to get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> what are you going to do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm going to do that either. <laughs> That's a uh, Office Space reference for you. Oh. Well, you know what? I've never seen Office Space. What? I know. I will bring it to work on Monday. <laughs> I've had multiple people give me that same reaction. What? It's, I mean, it has some holes, but it's fantastic entertainment. And you'll get my reference after you watch it. Okay. Well, I thought you were just saying that about the whole defiance thing. Uh, we'll see if we can find I was. A, a, a quote there to, to throw in. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, that I was just happy to see Brienne and Podrick meet. Yes. Did yes. you put that together? Do you remember putting that together before on first oh, I'm read? Certain I, I'm, I'm certain I didn't. Yeah. I mean, on my on my original reads, I wasn't careful. I, no. I wanted... I, I just ate it up. I just... You're trying to get to the a, next thing. Yeah. I didn't spend a ton of time like, ooh, can I figure this mystery out? It was like, right. keep reading. I want to know. They'll tell me eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll be yeah. told what I'm, it is. I don't remember, but I'm sure I didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's cool to see them together. Two of the more good people in the story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and two of the more socially awkward uh Socially people. awkward, kind of. uh, loyal to a fault. Brienne, of course. Yep. Uh, what does she say? I will find her about Sansa. I will never stop looking. I will give up my life if need be. Give up my honor. Give up all my dreams. But I will find her. It's like, whoa, Brienne, chill out. (laughs) And here's a guy doing the exact same thing. Right. I don't remember what he says about it, but he's doing, he's acting the same way. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm his squire is basically all it is. It's simple. It's, it's, yeah. It's so much more simple than what Brienne said, but at the same time, that same show of devotion. And you know Tyrion treated him all right. Yeah, he he mocked him some. Was but Tyrion mocks everybody. It was like playful but ribbing, though, right? Mostly play, mostly playful. And you know there was the bit with the banners where he was like uh-huh. in, in Tyrion's own POV, he's like, oh, I should encourage him, you know. Yeah. So you know he had, yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean that that level of loyalty is crazy. For some reason, I thought of Wayne's World again. She will be mine. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She will be mine. She will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. <laughs> Look, it's a guitar, right? Yes. The Fender. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and the signers of the... Uh, here we go. Same sentence. Same comparison. Wayne's World and the Declaration of Independence with... Mutual, where they say at the end, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That was that's the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, the very I'm end. an awful American. Yeah, I, I, you could have given me ten minutes to guess. I would have never, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I'm an awful American, and I take pride in that. Good boy. It's your prerogative. Um, let's see here. Uh, cool, Jamie and Brienne further connection. Have you all the little all the little Brienne pop ups in Jamie's POVs and all the little Jamie pop ups in Brienne's POVs? It's kind of at this point it's it's annoying and sweet at the same time, right? Pop ups, Matt. Pop ups, really. 
I said what I said, and I meant what I said. <laughs> well, they are. She does mention the 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 uh, the tub scene. Uh huh. Brian and Jamie sitting in a tub. S O A K I N G, and uh, yeah, it's kind of their their thoughts just kind of always drift back to each other. I mean, that, right. that was a. Uh, I I feel like that journey was a life changing experience for both of them. Right. More for Jamie, probably, but I, I think Brienne, too. I mean, she learned to trust someone a little bit. She, depending on who you ask, fell in love, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. Um, you know, I, so yeah, their their thoughts always kind of drift to each other or seem to. And, and uh, they actually, she wasn't even thinking about him, and he wasn't thinking about her, but they both kind of thought the same thing. It's not exactly the same, but similar... I think they're getting at the same point. Uh, when she sees all the dead bodies coming into Duskendale, she says a, a little line where she says, friend or foe, the crows care not. I don't know if you remember yeah. that part. And I wrote it down. And back in Jamie's chapters, um, he's thinking, see, on the morning after the battle, the crows had feasted on victors and vanquished alike, as once they'd feasted on Rhaegar Targaryen after the trident. How much can a crown be worth when a when a crow can dine upon a king? It's kind of the they're thinking the same, like yeah, they have the same philosophies. Like it's kind of cool yeah. that that even it's, that. Al- it's also that's true. It's also a theme, kind of. I mean, it's the name of the fucking book, a Feast for Crows. Uh, but it's yeah. also it's a it's a theme in this book of mm-hmm. of kind of the spoils of war and um, you know who's who's really hurt by it and how it affects everyone, mm-hmm. even those that aren't directly participating and. Yeah, yeah feast for them crows. Have these the crows don't similar... care. Yeah, yeah, they don't care. You all die the same. You have these similar thoughts. Yeah, you all die the same. Yeah. Pre- pretty hilarious that uh, Sansa's escape plan meetings led to a red herring about being in the north. Uh huh. <laughs> the maid's like, no, no. She was in that godswood all the damn time. Right. She's going to her northern gods for sure. <laughs> nope. But also, yeah, you mentioned in your chapter summary that she comes to the right conclusion for completely the wrong reasons. Because uh-huh. her aunt's there, right? And yeah. she'd be really nice and things are pretty safe there. Oh, Dang it. You're so close, Brienne. Who knows? Maybe yeah. she'll figure it out, but... Yeah, and you know, you mentioned also in your chapter summary that the dwarf didn't seem very helpful. I kind of thought the opposite. To me, it's kind of like Brienne's been asking the same fucking question to every single person. At least person she's getting she some sort of bite. And yeah, mostly, what she hears is, "Oh yeah, that girl's been raped by now." Uh, from she did. She talks to she gone. Yeah, right. And and finally, somebody's like, "Oh yeah, uh, you know, a fool. I saw I saw a fool. It's probably totally. nothing, but I did see a fool." Uh huh. Yeah. Finally, so she's got like a, a lead to follow. It's tenuous, but she's got a lead. She's got something, which yeah, I'll concede is not what she's had recently. But well, I mean, here here's the way I would be thinking that, about this if I were her. How many fools, like real fool? I mean, how many fools are there to begin with? One per court? I don't know, but how many fools are there, and how many of them are out, kind of mm-hmm. wandering around, traveling on their own? Right. It seems it see if I were her, I'd think this was a pretty solid lead. Hmm. 
And I mean, better better than remember remember how she's like in the I think it was the previous chapter how she's just grasping at any sort of like she could be anywhere. I have no leads at all. I'm just wandering around in the dark here. Something, yeah. At least this is something, right? Which, if I were Dantos and I was a fool, I wouldn't be dressing like a fool anymore. But uh, I I don't. Well, she even notes that she doesn't even know if he does dress in motley, right? I don't know that I would. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that we can get into to Dantos's head too much and assume that he's going to make the same decisions we would. But he was so careful with Sansa before. I would think that. Yeah, he wouldn't be doing that. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but the gods gave Brienne stamina. She, they did. She talks about that in, in terms of fighting. But we yeah. also see that her spirit is indomitable when she sets her mind to something. And... It is. We <sighs> we talked about that in the last episode, too, about how she's kind of perfectly suited for this task. And then uh, as I was reading the opening of this chapter, I was like, uh... Maybe we're wrong about that because she can't even talk to people, mm-hmm. right? She's she doesn't even want to break the ice with the with the questions she's asked a million times. It's like, yeah, she's she's good in the indomitable spirit part, but she hates talking to people. Yep, yep. I feel her. I feel her. I hate Indeed. talking to people too. Except for you. Well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I got. There's a lot of stuff um, in there. We get some callbacks well, to her having a rough upbringing, similar maybe to Sam's. Not not in the sense of a, of a tough family. Her father, on the contrary, seemed like he was, I think we've talked about Selwyn before on here. He seemed yeah, a little bit. supportive and, and he loved her and everything. And he's trying to make things work to give her, you know, a normal life according to Westeros standards of what happens to, to women. They get married off to lords and stuff, whether, you know, it's not talked about whether it's right or wrong, but it's what happened. Um, but uh, it just wasn't working out for her. Yeah, I mean, to the point where she fought one of her proposed husbands. Her. Was right. he was he her fiancé at that point? I, I think he I was. Think so. Yeah, he yeah. was. And then she, like, beat him badly. and She beat the crap out of him. Yeah. <laughs> and then and Selwyn, so, uh... I don't even, it doesn't say whether he was like, oh, fine, I give up. Or whether it was just like, you know what, I love you and I want you to be happy. So we'll just make, you know, whatever happens work. But, I think it implies that. I mean, it, yeah. it, I think it says specifically that that was the third time it hadn't worked out. And it was the last and, or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he didn't try anymore. Right. <laughs> Which... Uh, you know, I guess good for him. I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess uh, I only really had one other thing about this whole Darkland story. Mm. I think I think it offers it offers a warning, along with maybe the reins of Castamere. It offers a, a warning to the Starks, to the readers of the books, to others, everyone. You are more fragile than you think. All it takes is one little incident. Sorry, this was bigger than a little incident. But one little incident, and you can be extinct. Mm -hmm. The Darklands had been around for a long, long time. They predated the Andal invasion. Yeah, they were first men blood. kings in their own right. Yeah. Yeah, first men blood. They had been kings in their own right. They were an old, old, old house. They had, I don't remember whether it was in your summary or not, they had more members of the the uh, 
the Kingsguard than than any other house. Um, seven, yeah. seven, which is the, the name of the, the inn there. Seven, the Seven Swords. This is a reminder, readers. Shit can get fucked up quick. You, you can be extinct, mm. no matter how strong your family was. Yeah, uh, hints of the Red Wedding, even right. Rob Stark, Rob Stark's side is done in one night. Yep. 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 So tread carefully, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anything else with this one? Uh, I think I think that's about it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go on to Tyrion. Talk about the shield. Talk about the shield later, perhaps. Uh, that'll. Uh, we are definitely talking about the shield in Davos After Dark. Okay. Because I definitely want to. Okay. Let's do some Tyrion then. That is me. Let's do some Tyrion. Oh yeah. Cripples and bastards and broken things But the power of the mind can give you wings Drinking and japing and yeah, ladies Tyrion Lannister or Imp, if you please So, still on their slow, meandering journey from Pentos to I can't even say it without doing it in the redneck voice now Goyandrohi Goyandrohi <laughs> to meet up with young Griff and then continue on to meet Danny. Uh, Illyrio and Tyrion meet up with two men who Illyrio apparently already knows, but Tyrion comes to find out are Halden, called the Halfmaster, and Serali Duckfield, a, du- a knight who made up his last name after being knighted in a field with, you guessed it, ducks in it. The two men are there to take on supplies from Illyrio, before leaving with Tyrion to go meet up with Griff, and then, of course, continue on to meet Danny. So still keeping Tyrion's identity a secret, Illyrio tells them that the dwarf's name is Yolo, although Tyrion doesn't like the name, so he claims it's his name in Pentos, and that his actual name is Hugor Hill. Pleasantries are exchanged, goodbye said, and Tyrion continues on to Goyandroy with Halden and Raleigh, leaving Illyrio behind, looking somewhat small and sad. <clears throat> so on the way, Tyrion and Halden have a bit of a dick-measuring contest over who is more expert in the field of Westeros history. And also Raleigh, unsolicited, tells the story of how he came to be a knight. Tyrion doesn't dislike either of them, finding Raleigh somewhat amusing, and Halden, at, you know, the very least, something of a frenemy. So they ride until they reach the Little Roin at Goyandroy. I'm trying here, guys, but that's a weird name, uh, where a pole boat called the Shy Maid is waiting for them. On board, we meet the rest of Raleigh and Halden's little team, uh, who Tyrion will be hanging out with for the foreseeable future. So there's a husband and wife duo who seem to manage the boat. Lamore, a handsome septa. Uh, there's the boy, blue-haired young Griff. And there's his father, the also blue-haired, but it's obviously dyed from red, Griff. Tyrion knows, after interacting with Griff for 30 seconds, that he is going to be trouble. Bonnie Rubble, trouble! Uh, the older man reads a letter sent to him by Illyrio, telling of Tyrion's true identity, and also the murder of his father, and some of those other things. It's basically a letter of recommendation from Illyrio to Griff. 
Griff is mistrustful, and Tyrion returns the favor. Tyrion's convinced that Griff is no ordinary sellsword. I mean, he can read, first of all. Uh, he also knows he's a knight. He knows that because Duck revealed that it was Griff who had knighted him. But they find common cause when Griff asks Tyrion why a Lannister would support a, Tygerian, a Targaryen. Tyrion replies, for gold and glory, oh, and hate. Griff replies, I understand hate well enough. And then they make out for a while. Except they don't make out for a while. Uh, Tyrion promises to serve Daenerys Targaryen faithfully. He can do a bunch of things. He can advise her on how Cersei thinks. He can advise her on how to defeat Jaime in battle. How to read various Westerosi lords. And Tyrion knows a lot about dragons. And he can teach her about those. He's a shoo-in for the job. Griff grudgingly agrees to kind of a probationary period to let Tyrion hang out with them to see if he can prove himself useful, and then depending on how that goes, they might keep him on. Tyrion then asks an important question. What if we should find the queen and discover that this talk of dragons was just some sailor's drunken fantasy, or fancy? Uh, this wide world is full of such mad tales, grumpkins and snarks, ghosts and ghouls, mermaids, rock goblins, winged horses, winged pigs, winged lions. Uh, Griff gets serious then, reminding him that their lives, their names, and their sacred honor are at stake. Declaration of Independence again. Uh, this isn't a game being played. And Tyrion's like, mm, he thinks to himself, yeah, it kind of is a game being played. It's the Game of Thrones. And that's the end of the chapter. So, four books in, Scad. We are meeting a ton of new characters already. A ton. Uh, also, props for the Ocean's Eleven reference. You Lovely. got it! Yes! Of course. <laughs> so, unless we intend to do this job in Reno, we're in Barney. Barney Rubble. Trouble! Barney Rubble. Trouble. Trouble. I never... Is that a phrase outside of Ocean's I, Eleven? Uh, I think that's why it's funny because that's not a phrase anyone uses ever anywhere. And he's like, and he just why expects aren't you them to get this? it? Okay. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, uh, where I fell in love with Don Cheadle, and uh, if I ever make a movie, he'll be in it if he so agrees. I love the Cheadle. I cannot wait to see uh, his Miles Davis movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was coming. I have not heard of this. I will be excited as well. It's amazing. I'm a huge Miles Davis fan, and I heard he's amazing in it. So, anyways, uh, I remember when I first read this book that I was just like, I'm so I was so invested in John and Danny <laughs> and Arya and Tyrion and yeah. stuff that I was like, Ugh. and I started out hating these new characters. And just not caring because I was so invested in these other ones from these other three books that I just read. And all of a sudden we're getting new ones. But um, interesting, I guess, to see where they go together. Yeah, I mean, our first our first episode of Feast Dance, we talked about this with all the, you know, the prologues and the the Dorn and the, you know, the the air on Greyjoy on the on the the aisles there mm -hmm. uh and and now we get you know even more we like all right Tyrion, we'll follow him around wait what there's this whole other group of people we have to deal <laughs> Come with now? on i mean it's yeah it's uh 
you know, and this is this is Dance with Dragons, so it's uh, you know it's the fifth book, not the fourth oh, one. So it didn't happen me. at the exact yeah. same time as I Feast get for mixed Crows, up but when books no, were <laughs> no, but still the timeline is the same. Right. So yeah. he is literally introducing all of these things at the same time in his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I you hate to speculate, but it's almost just like he finished three books and it was like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to expand this thing. I got a bunch more to tell. I'm going to do you know? this. Let's do this. <laughs> They're going like, to hate me, but or, I'm going to do it. Or was it or was it like he was writing game and he had all this stuff, this world-building stuff for, you know, the Greyjoys and the Martells and you know all this other stuff over here that I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, you know, and he had it, and he's just like, it's too much. It's too much. They can't take it. It's too much. i got to dole it out later. Uh-huh. Let's get through these other events, and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it to him later. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe at least like a high-level look. Um, yeah. But, but, I mean, it's interesting. So the idea is, to to sum up, um, is they're going to get together. They got young Griff, they got Griff and their little entourage. They're going to go find Danny and convince Danny to go to Westeros. Right. Which, which she's already convinced she's going to do, mm-hmm. but if she's made it that far, she's already heading that way. It's, it's a little weird. Yeah. You, I mean, she's got a quote unquote army. Uh, you know, a lot of it is, uh, what does she call it? Uh, sandals, sandals with mouths or something. Sandals with mouths, yeah, uh-huh. something. Um, but uh, mouths with sandals, mouths and sandals. Anyway, uh, she's got this huge host of people. Like, what does she need these? You know, these seven guys for. Although I, th- I think they they told us the Golden Company would be a part of that as well. Right. Yeah. So it's a matter of it's a matter of kind of strengthening her army, I guess. Mm-hmm. So and they're kind of banking on her going to Volantis. Yeah, it's like well, I, yeah, she's either going to come by road or she's going to come by sea, and I guess that's a stop she'll have to make regardless. I don't know why that's true, but apparently it's true. Well, she's been freeing slaves in Marine and Astapor and Yunkai, and Volantis has slaves, so they think, well, she's making her way up Slavers Bay. So if she keeps following her present course, freeing slaves, she's gonna get to Volantis eventually to free those ones. Yeah, and that's where we will find her. But I love how Illyrio likes is giving them clothes so they can be like all dressed to the nines when they meet with yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, yep. They're putting some thought into this, but at the same time, they're trying to remain as conspicu- inconspicuous as possible. Until then, they're hanging out on a pole boat. Well, and for you know, and also just to try to not be seen. The boat is you know mud colored and uh-huh. not fancy in any way. You know, they mentioned trying to flee from the the uh, the Kalasars in the region and pirates and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean they're they're just doing their best to stay not seen incognito. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's it, it's kind of funny. I mean, if if this is really an important uh, charge that they're that they have, why you know Illyrio's already demonstrated that he's got billions. Why not hire a guard to like send you know march them down the road, you know, or send them maybe on a ship or whatever, but send them protected. Uh-huh. Why rely on five people to get through? Right. But, uh, 
No. We'll see, well, I guess. When you think that Danny might be more impressed by a large show of force or something like that. Uh, um, but maybe not at the same time. Everyone's trying well, to impress her with that. She'd see that with the Golden Company. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. YOLO? You only live Lannister once? You only live Lannister once. I like it. <laughs> Two L's. Two L's Two in L's? this one, guys. <laughs> yeah. you, you know... He's kind of there. He's kind of the ace in the hole. I Tyrion. Yeah, I think he was a good get. Whether <laughs> Varys and Illyrio and them wanted to get him, or he just showed up, I think he's the perfect guy for the job. I kind of said it in my chapter summary. I like him. Yeah, you know, he's not this fantastic warrior and everything. But it's like Herb Brooks says from the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team. He famously said he wasn't looking for the best players. He was looking for the right ones. You're missing some of the best players. I'm looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones. And I think Tyrion's the right guy. Yeah. The, uh, Arizona football and probably lots of other places use the term OKG, our kind of guy. Mm. And it's about filling roles, right? And Arizona football is an awful example because they're terrible at football (laughs) but uh yeah the premise is you don't you don't need the best guy you need the right guy to fit what you need to do um and we we talked about this actually even in the last episode in danny's chapter where she's trying to have the (laughs) the uh unsullied do detective right (laughs) and how valuable Tyrion might be in that case yeah i mean he's look it's no secret. The world values intelligent people. They can contribute things. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. We, we saw it when Tyrion was running King's Landing. Tyrion mentions it himself in this chapter when he uh, made the sewers run clean. Right. Uh, smart people can get shit done. And so, yes, he's a good get. He's, he provides something to Danny that she does not have. Knowledge of Westeros politics. Knowledge of Westeros you know, war practices knowledge in general about life intelligence ability to read a situation and make a good choice he's a valuable person to have he's also a prick and could betray you at any moment and who knows he's not in a good place mentally and emotionally yeah yeah yeah. he's completely unstable uh you know but why not Putting Jim Morrison high on stage, it's like, well, you're gonna get something fucking amazing, or you're get something good. Yeah. he could pass out and throw up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Tyrion is kind of like that right now. Yep, he's just a rock star. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, yeah, a good get for sure. And he's a guy that's that's been able to make his way and be reasonably successful. I mean, when he fell, he fell hard. But for a while there, he was able to kind of claw his way to the top for at least a little bit um, yeah, with everyone trying to bring him down, down. What knocked him down was his family. Right. I mean, he's now he's removed from his family, has motivation to serve them some revenge, I suppose. Yep. And uh, I guess you could argue he's already done that. But <laughs> yeah, I think they, they think that he'll, he'll be an asset for that reason. Uh-huh. And, you know, the dragon things is just kind of like a bonus, his knowledge about dragons. Yeah. It's like uh, on The Office where Dwight Schrute's resume is, he's he's giving his resume out to people. And one guy comes back and 
he doesn't know if the resume's legit, if it's actually from Dwight. And Dwight's like, well, what does it say under martial arts experience? He's like, oh, it's not there. Uh, what's your fax number? I'm going to need to send you that. <laughs> not relevant. <laughs> Yeah. Tyrion just—he's—he he's, knows about dragons too. Here's my here's my resume. I know about. I've been the hand of the king. I've done this and this this. Oh, and you know what? I used to read a lot about dragons, so I know a thing or two. Never ridden one, but T- Tyrion's just—yeah, he's—he's he's too clever not to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Some some great lines from him in this one. My my favorite. Uh, Shy maids are my favorite sort. Aside from wanton ones. <laughs> of Love course, it. referring to the boat and everything. <laughs> referring to the boat, yes, but yes. <laughs> except uh, for the wanton ones. <laughs> except for the wanton ones. Uh, Duck, I don't, I don't know. We don't know enough about any of these other characters yet to really comment on them too much. They seem great. Uh, Halden's got a man bun. Duck is a dumb jock. Duck is, yeah. Um, He's kind of Baratheon-ish, right? Yeah, a little bit, maybe. I mean, uh, maybe not (laughs) as uh, chiseled and handsome as a young Baratheon. But, uh, yeah, maybe maybe a little similar. Uh, Certainly, you know, not educated and not schooled in politics and things like that, like like the Baratheon boys would have been. He was, you know, just a a smith's son, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You, uh, Young Griff and, and Griff seem a little touchy. A little, a little sensitive. A little on a little, edge, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so this is completely... Can I go completely off topic? Maybe we'll put sure. this as a, as a thing. But it just reminded me of it with you talking about Bobby Baratheon. So I was talking to my friend, Derek... Uh, today and we were talking about you know Beauty and the Beast and the big controversy around it that LeFou is gay for Gaston, right? I don't. Have I you even heard about that? Justify. I've, I don't even want to justify that with the word controversy, right? <laughs> Isn't it hilarious? But but I've heard the supposed <laughs> complaints. Yes, that people are like boycotting the film and all that and whatever. Uh, and we we're talking about how you know just being completely obsessed with uh, a a guy like Lefou is with Gaston doesn't equate to Lefou being a homosexual. And even if he was, it's not a big deal. Like it's not a controversy, like you said. It's fine, even if he is. But uh, I made up a new verb, and it's when you Lefou someone, it's where you're one hundred percent obsessed with that person. Um. And so yeah. you, you Scott, you LeFou, Robert Baratheon. A little bit. I said that I LeFou. A little bit. But, I, I LeFou, I, I, Keith Urban. You LeFou, Bobby Baratheon. I think you LeFou, Keith Urban more than I LeFou, Robert Baratheon. I don't it's want to get a bad true. rap here. Robert Baratheon has tremendous flaws. Tremendous flaws. And I see those flaws and I don't forgive him for That's any okay. of that. That's okay. I just find him to be a fascinating character that... We don't actually get to explore much of because most of the stuff that's fascinating about his journey happened before these books started, and I doubt we'll get that history told really well. But how he became the kind of person he is, I find that interesting. You know, and, and so and and if he tried to kiss you, though, you'd probably let him after a while. If I didn't let him, he'd beat me to death. So yeah, 
<laughs> you'd do it, you'd like it. <laughs> but here, I, I just want to say this about the LeFou thing, because you opened that fucking door, and so now I have to say something. Come in, buddy. I, 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 the first part of what you said, I agree with, and actually I, I somewhat disagree with the, the choice Disney made to make LeFou gay. Not for any sort of political or reasons of, you know, homophobia or anything. I'm all I'm all over that. That's fine. Right. But but I, I kind of along your point, there there is a place for I don't know how healthy it is, but there is certainly the type of relationship in this world that LeFou has that is complete hero worship yeah, just and admiration. adoration yeah. that is not in any way sexually motivated. Right. And I feel I'm a little bit mixed because there need to be uh, more, you know, homosexual uh, relationships in media mm-hmm. uh, that 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 people that homosexuals can identify with that they can relate to. Uh, they need to be there, but but they need to be organic and natural. They need to be real. And to me, the Lafou thing just feels like Disney trying to hit a political tone, mm-hmm. and it feels forced to me, to be honest. And so. I'm not against it. I'm not, you know, I'm not like raging or anything. It just, it feels forced. It's weird. But like, yeah. let let LeFou be the obsessed guy that, that he is. And you know what, Disney, you create a ton of new content. Why don't you focus your energy on creating real, relatable homosexual characters rather than rewriting old ones and jamming just it Just like trying them. to shoehorn it in. So now, yeah. And I hope I don't get reamed by our fans for this. I'm not in any way against. No, you've made that clear. I think we've okay. both made that clear. That, uh, All right. that it's it's fine, it's great, and I've got my tickets tomorrow. I'm taking my kids to <laughs> my kids are coming with me. They're gonna see it. Hashtag bad Christian. Hashtag <laughs> Jack Mormon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and love it. It'll be fine. Love it. it will be fine. And I've yeah. heard that it's not nearly as blatant as some of the people are making it out to be. But even if it is. Oh well, like yeah, yeah. But no, I understand Jake what you're saying. Got a ton of crap when she came out post fact, right? About uh, oh gosh, I didn't even read the Potter books, but she came out post fact about uh, Dumbledore, right? Um, and kind of got a, a bunch of crap for that. And I don't know, just mm-hmm. guys, calm down. <laughs> just calm down. This chill out. Well, that was a departure, and it was completely my fault, and I apologize. You are out of fucking control, Matt. <laughs> it's been a Lock long it up. day. Lock it up. I have been painting all day, and the I fumes could be, are getting to you. I could yeah. just be completely high right now. I don't even know it. Yeah. Because well, I don't get high once, until once I you go, go to Dave high. Matthews concerts, and then I don't even <laughs> I don't even purposefully get high. I just get a buzz from love being it. there. Now I know why you love going to those concerts. I always wondered why you loved it so much. <laughs> It's only part of it. And then I go get nachos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This chapter, uh, did we even talk about it or was it all Disney stuff? Uh, well, half and half. Uh, I, I feel honestly about this chapter. So I just feel like there's, it was, it was an okay chapter. It was reasonably short actually, yeah. but we don't, we don't learn enough about these characters to make any real calls. They seem interesting. It's new, new characters, fun, new river journey. Uh, Good job, Tyrion, claiming your loyalty. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, if we were to give them roles, Griff is the leader. Um, young Griff is the figurehead. 
we have no idea what this Septa Lamore does yet. We get like one line from her in the whole chapter. She uh, she prays. She's a Septa. Yeah. Halden is the uh, smarts, and Raleigh is the strength. Right. So that's it. That's pretty yeah. much all we know. Yep. Yep. All right. Should we move on? Let's go to our final chapter of the episode. I feel like we're moving fast today. Uh, we're about where we should be. We're a little bit slow. Okay. Well, let's... I mean, not compared to last episode, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. We're just uh, slowly descending until we're going to be doing five-hour podcasts. I um, hope not, but... Yeah, me too. For everyone's sake. Yeah. Uh, Davos. So we haven't heard from old Davo in a while, so Scad, you've got his chapter. I do. Eyes are crying from the unions in the hold. Save Stanny Boy, save Stanny Boy. Finger bones in a bag mean the truth will be told. Steady Davos, steady Davos. Yeah, to, to that point, uh, when we last saw Davos, he was kneeling before his king, about to be beheaded, and instead convinced him to sail to the wall to protect his people and his realm. We now find him in shackles on Sweet Sister? Oh, Sister? What the hell, George? Seems like this happens a lot. What what the hell, man? (laughs) This guy's nowhere near where we would expect him to be right now. So, here's what happened. So, Davos was sent with Salad Rassan and 29 ships from Eastwatch by the Sea, that's up at the Wall, to treat with Manderley down at White Harbor. But they're racked by storms and then racked by impatience as Salador San leaves them after never having been paid any of the large sum of money that he has been promised by Stannis. Nice guy Salador, though, did give Davos a little rowboat to finish the journey on his own. Unfortunately, the closest rowing location is the Sisters and not White Harbor. So he gets to he gets to the Sisters and tries to buy his way off the island, but is caught. I don't know for what. I guess buying your way off the island isn't allowed, or everybody's instructed to just bring newbies on the island to the lord or something but davos tries uh now to convince lord godric borel the ruler on this island or this part of the island to send him on his way while they sup on sister's stew which kind of sounds like a delicious sounding soup with fish and crab meat uh godric considers his options which include just killing davos uh in a kind of cool way of chaining him down and letting the water take care of him uh rancing him to either side uh, that would be back to back to Stannis or perhaps to the other side with Lannisters. Or just sending him on his way and pretending he never saw him. But it kind of seems like what he really wants most is for none of the responsibility of making this decision. Like, I just kind of don't want you here. Anyway, Davos does learn a few things uh, from Godric. Learns that Lysa's dead, Tywin dead, uh, of which he claims in his brain this changes all. Having Tywin dead gives him kind of like a lifeline, a hope. Uh, that maybe his side can win this thing. Uh, he also finds out that Manderly has already indicated he will bend the knee to Tommen, and that Freys are all over White Harbor too, looking to bury the hatchet from the Red Wedding and seal an alliance with a marriage. Perhaps the most interesting story he hears, though, is a story about Ned Stark escaping to the north through Sisterton due to yet another storm kind of shipwrecking his boat. But in this tale, Ed, Ed Star, uh, Ned Stark left a bastard named Jon Snow in the belly of the captain's daughter. Whoa! Bomb dropped. So, in the end, Davos uses the recent death of Tywin and Stannis' reputation as a hardened and successful war general to convince Godric that they just might win this thing, 
And if they do, how nice would the reward be if he lets them go? Fine. So long as Dolphus was never here. So Dolphus mm-hmm. has to promise that he was never there in the first place. And that's the end of the chapter. Not a whole lot happened. It's kind of a it's kind of a catch up. This is where Davos is now, and this is what he's trying to accomplish. Kind of like a reminder. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Not not a ton. Not a ton to go. We we already mentioned the uh, in the when we were talking about John and Sam chapter that George has explained the short trip north, which I had complained about pretty violently on a previous cast <laughs> yep. about how there's no way they could have done this journey in this time. And I don't know whether George realized that and so made a hasty explanation or always planned this, but basically they had a steadily southerly wind uh, from Alistair's death, according to Melisander, mm-hmm. uh, to propel them uh, much quicker than you would expect. So that's cool. Found that out. Yep. Um, there's a little uh, interesting little bit about she bears the mark. So the the Bodric, uh, the Borels, Borels sorry, yeah. they have webbed fingers. Isn't that cool? Blech. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's all sorts of kind of tales about previous types of people. The Squishers is one. If you go search for Squishers, you can find all sorts of stuff out. I wonder if this is kind of like a a leftover from like a long ago culture. Yeah. Kind of cool. Sea people or something. I don't sea know. people. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh, I don't, what do you got in this chapter? Not a whole ton. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me in this one is we find out that the phrase are treating with Wyman Manderley of white Harbor. Yeah. yeah. And that, uh, seems odd as Davos and Godric talk about it. Um, yeah. Of course, uh, one of Wyman Manderley, a character who we have not met personally in the books yet, we've only heard about him. Um, has yeah, we've met his sons. We've met his yeah, sons met who, who were with Rob during his war campaign. And in fact, Wendell Manderley was killed at the Red Wedding, right? That's right. By the phrase, shot through the mouth with a crossbow bolt. While he was eating While he a was turkey eating. leg. Yes. And uh, so, obviously very interesting um, and scary for Davos, who, of course, needs the Manderleys, needs White Harbor. But now it appears that for some whatever reason, Manderley is treating with the very people that killed his son. Well, mm. they they kind of give a reason. Uh, Godric marriage. kind of in, insists. Yeah. Well, marriage, yes, but he also insists... Man, the Manderleys are no Northmen. Yes, they're they're from the south. Yes, but geez, man, like they've been in the north for seven hundred years, seven or nine hundred, yeah, something like something. that. Something I think it's I think it's nine actually. Nine hundred years. That's not long enough mm-hmm. for them to become Northmen, right? I mean, think, think just think about this. How long have we been settled in the United States? Not as people, nearly that long. Not nearly that long, and are there people that just consider themselves Americans? Sure are. Is there any sort of national pride in being American? Maybe too much. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I just don't, I don't get the argument it's that the Mandalese aren't Northwind anymore. Yeah. No. It's weak. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting. I like that, they, yeah. I like that they've got a guy, there's a Frey who's named Rhaegar. 
It's just funny yeah. to me. Like that seems like a name that you don't throw around a whole bunch, right? Well, yeah, I think the phrase that they had an egg on too, right? That was Jingle Bell. Yeah. Um, it seems like they kind of try to curry favor with the crown by naming their lame ass progeny after Targaryen names. Yeah. Remind me, was Rhaegar seen as was he widely loved by the people? I mean, it seemed like the people Rhaegar close Targaryen? to him loved him. Yeah, Rhaegar Targaryen. Like the people close yeah, to him no, loved he was, him, but he was pretty popular, people, right? He was pretty popular, yeah. yeah. I, I, people, people saw him as kind of, you know, kind of like the British see with like their their young up and coming royalty. Right. I, I think people saw a lot of promise in him. He was good at a lot of stuff. He was strikingly handsome and charismatic. Talented, uh, yeah, yeah. I played music. I, I think. You know, I mean, the common people probably didn't get to see him a lot, so I don't know about the common people. But yeah, I think the people of the court really, really liked him. Mm-hmm. I think so. It just seems to me like yeah. naming your kid Rhaegar is like naming your kid like LeBron or something. <laughs> just... You mean now that LeBron is a big, a big deal? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It... Yeah. I just thought it was funny, more than anything. Uh, yeah, we don't I, we don't know much about him. I mean, he's. He's widowed now, so I don't know how old he is. I didn't check, but... Um, I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, this whole thing with the Manderleys and the phrase, yeah, I mean, th- this is this is kind of... This is kind of what happens. Uh, you know, there are beefs, and they settle them with marriages and try to create alliances, and, you know, Tywin is, uh, you know, famously talked before about, you know, winning wars with, with pens and not swords, and this is probably part of his work, too. You know, writing letters, trying to spoon, smooth this thing out. Hey, Manderly, calm down. Like, yeah, that was shitty what happened, but let's let's figure this let's out and make it good for everyone. Or is it right? the phrase after Tywin's death, scrambling for new alliances? Well, I think it's too soon. Um, yeah? I mean, I, we don't know yet how long the phrase have been there. I don't think this chapter says that. Um, but that would have had to happen really fast after his death. Right. To to that For that to have been them scrambling and putting this all together. I think I think this has been kind of in the works for a little bit. Mm. My opinion. I, I don't know. I don't either. Uh, Salador Sin finally had had enough. And you know what I think? It's about dang time. I would have <laughs> left a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not I getting mean, paid. Like. <laughs> yeah. The if if you're not getting paid, I mean, the reality is Salador Sin is very rich and didn't need money. Sure, but. but when I would have left was when it really, really looked like, well, A, when he went north, for sure. Like, you're not even trying to win the war here. How am I going to get paid at all? Yeah. That, for sure, should have been telling. But even before that, when they lost in the Blackwater, I'd have been like, you're going to lose this war. <laughs> this ain't happening. And, uh, yeah, I'm leaving now. Sunk cost. Yep. That's a sunk cost. I'm out of here. Peace out, buddy. Yeah. Oh, you're, you know, you want Davos to succeed and stuff, and Davos feels, you know, obviously betrayed. But at the same time, it's like, I don't blame Salador one bit. No, I, I I blame the timing a little bit, but in a sense, he just lost a bunch of the ships from his fleet. Right, It's yeah. just like It was just kind of like the last straw. It's like, I can't take this anymore. It hurts me too much. I'm done. Yeah. And Salador's warned Davos before, you know, that this uh-huh. devotion to Stannis... It's tenuous. He's be the death of him. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 He's not getting a lot out of this relationship. But, well, Salador isn't. That's what I mean. Davos, yeah. 
Davos, though, for for those people that wonder why there's a huge Stannis cult out there that loves Stannis, I, I want to read this passage real quick. Um, Godric is asking why he should give Stannis any aid at all. Mm-hmm. And you you get an insight from Davos's thoughts. Because he is your rightful king. Because he is a strong man and a just one. The only man who can restore the realm and defend it against the peril that gathers in the north. Because he has a magic sword that glows with the light of the sun. The, these are the reasons. like he, the, Specifically that second one. Because he is a strong man and a just one. The, that's why people like Stannis. People want he, stability. He, they want stability and they want justice. Yeah, Something they can rely Stannis on. Stannis promises those things. And he... Yeah. he he bends a little bit and does things to suit his own needs, and it, it's grayer maybe than some people would like. Yep. But it's a lot less gray than most people. I mean, Cersei's blown in the wind, you know. Yeah, you've had this history of rulers that just fly off the handle in whatever yeah. way they do it, from King Aerys to Robert Baratheon to Cersei to Joffrey, even going back further in the Targaryen dynasty. And yeah. And with Robert, it was less flying off the handle and just more complete disinterest in governing or care well, about justice I mean. of yeah, any kind. He's uh, not yeah, someone and, you can rely on. But that's not the way Stannis is. Stannis yep. would be probably a very good king. All these things he's... It sound, it's such a ends justify the means thing, but all this stuff that Stannis does that, that people hate so much is because he has no one backing him. If he were in charge, I actually feel like he'd probably be a really good ruler. It's just that he, he's having to fight these such these odds to get there that he's got to make all these bad choices. And that's, you know, that is some justification, I suppose, but... Yeah, no, it is. And I think he would... I think he'd be a good king, too. Um, Really telling for me is, like you already mentioned, going up north. And he decides he's going to do what a king should do, even not being the official king. He is going... And some would say, you know, he's going up there to... So he can tap into the potential followers up north, which isn't really yep. happening, we see. But he's yeah. going up to to defend the realm, even not yep. being the official king yet. And that's that's yep. admirable. I, I whine about Stannis all the time, and I will continue to rail against Stannis because he just doesn't jive with me. he's just me. so Stannis. <laughs> he's just Stannis. Ugh. But... I will not deny that out of the the choices for king, uh, he looks pretty good compared to yeah. the rest of the field. So, well, we we can't uh, we can't leave this chapter without talking about <laughs> the story about Ned Stark leaving Jon Snow in the belly of the captain's daughter. Right. It's just like every house and every region has their own version of how Ned Stark got a bastard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean. Look, I, I don't want to go too far into this. I don't buy it. I don't no. think this is the true story of of Jon Snow. Uh, I will say, I, I will say, his name should not be Jon Snow, regardless of which of these tr- stories yeah, is true. Right. It should be Jon Stone if this story is true, and it should be Jon Sand if uh, you know if 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 it was off of uh, you know someone in in Dorne. Dorne. You know, we don't know the story, right? But yeah, definitely should not be snow. You'd have to be born in the north to be snow, right? So anyway, uh, I'm not. I don't really buy this story. Uh, the timeline, I don't think, really works. Um, well, is would it be know, just because of the fuck? No, 
Nope, I'm going to stop myself before I answer that que- ask that question because we've got precedence from Robert Baratheon. His bastards are named after the regions that they're in. Maya Stone, yes. Gendry Waters. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the only exception are the the Lannister kids that somehow get to keep their name even though they <laughs> which you hear me constantly use their real name. <laughs> Okay, uh, anything else? I mean, I, I don't buy that story. Uh, I, maybe true. I, I haven't done a strict look at the timeline, but I don't think it would work out. Right. Um, it just goes to show uh, Ned's reputation. He, he He's a well-known guy throughout all of Westeros. Yeah. He's a popular fella. And, and, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16 years later, I don't, I don't remember how old Jon Snow is now. Uh, there's still talk about how his bastard came about it's just it's interesting yeah it's fun yeah all right uh anything else in this chapter this was one similar to Tyrion, like you said it's a well it's more of a catch-up chapter yeah it's not like Tyrion. Where Tyrion is, was more what he's a, doing yeah Tyrion's was an introduced to new characters get him set on a new path type chapter uh this was a catch-up yep for sure all right, should we uh, jump into Davos After Dark then? Yeah, sorry, my phone keeps buzzing with all of our tweets that we're getting for. <laughs> um, I haven't been paying attention to them. Yeah. Uh, we got it. All right. I did see one pop up just because I have my iPad open, and so one popped up for the uh, just the preview of it. It was pretty, I glanced over at it, and this guy, I hope he listens to us, his name's Christian. He commented on our matchup of Drogon versus Mira Reed, which Mira is currently winning 60 to 40. So that one's kind yeah. of gotten closer than it was earlier today. And yeah. uh, he commented and said, this is a tie once you realize that Bran will be riding both of them in no time. It's <laughs> 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 ah, fucking brilliant. Christian, if you uh, actually listen to us, thank you for making our night. That was awesome. That's amazing. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Uh, I will say, too, uh, I, I can't even pronounce the follower that's doing the the little uh, pro-con lists for each matchup. I can't even pronounce the name of the follower. Uh, but hopefully you listen, too, because those are amazing. I read them and laugh. I laugh and read every single one, yeah. and I love it. At Aonis, 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 something like that. But yes, right, yeah. You, great summaries, they're hilarious. Girl or guy or whoever you are, you're great. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Davos After Dark. Davos After Dark, all right. Everybody jump off if you don't want spoilers quickly. Yep, we're going, uh, we're going. It's we're, happening. We're going, we're going quick. Uh, we're going to... Jump into the spoilery section and uh, just make sure you jump back with us three weeks from now. We'll have our next episode of Feast with Dragons. Uh, you guys can come have some more fun with us. Yep. Uh, and now it is time for the Davos After the Dark. Davos After Dark. I wanted to talk about this one because it's one that we both brought up. Uh listeners scat and i both take down notes for davos after dark as we're reading and we share them with each other just so that we can kind of uh have an insight into what we're thinking and prepare thoughts a little bit 
Uh, and yeah. one that we both brought up is the book, one of the books that Ma- Maester Amon requests Sam get, and that Amon does end up in the in chapter giving to John, telling him to read. There's a marked passage. The book is called the Jade Compendium. And uh, Maester Amon says there's a passage marked in the book that would be useful to John. And so, what will we find in that book that is useful to John? There's some fun stuff in there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, someday, I assume, George will publish it before he releases The Winds of Winter. Um, <laughs> it's a side is a side venture. <sighs> Uh, so, well, I, I mean, we know, we know, we learn what, what John learns, mm-hmm. uh, at least part of it. And what looks to be the main reason that, that the passage has been marked is that it indicates that Azor Ahai's sword gives off heat. And, uh, we had seen this, we had seen this before when, when Amon went in with Sam yeah. and, uh, asked Sam to describe the blade to him and, and what it was doing and... Um, you got a sense of then that Amon knew something was wrong, um, and that and that he knew even it sounds like he even knew the book. Remember the book that he had read forever ago that told him something was wrong, mm-hmm. and had ha- has had Sam now go look for it and mark the passage that indicates that hey, if this was really Azor Ahai's blade, if this were really Lightbringer, it should be giving off heat, which Stannis's blade does not. Which uh, you know. Mel wasn't counting on running into an educated man like Amon to call her shit. Duh. So that looks to be the reason, but there's some other interesting stuff there. What else you got? So I was uh, consulting the world of ice and fire, and one of the places that Jade Compendium's author spent some time in, the the author's name was something Votar. I remember his last name's Votar. Coloco or something like that. Yeah, Coloco Valar, Votar or something. Votar. Was the land far east, far out east, called Yiti? Do you call it Yiti or do you call it Yiti? Yiti, Yiti. Let's call it Yiti. I think I go with Yiti. Yiti is what I do. Uh, is that the island that's just south? No. Yiti. Oh. No. It's um, it's almost right above Ashai. Like if you go north from Ashai, you're gonna get up to Yiti. So it's clear okay. out east. <clears throat> And super fascinating place. Like, I'd love to know more about it. It seems kind of like it's possibly loosely based on kind of like the the Asian dynasties and stuff. It's almost like Asia. But at the same time, it's almost like uh, kind of like a Greece place. It's a center for learning and enlightenment and all this stuff. Dude, but... George, George could write about this world forever. Like, there could be so whole stories about heroes in Yiti that do completely different things that are completely unrelated or related. Uh-huh. You know, they have their own Azor High story, and they've got fire beings that come from the south to invade. Their, like, he could do so much shit with this world. And he gives just these little tiny hints that just make you go, I want to know more. Like, yeah. right outside of Yiti is this little place where apparently there's these winged men that live. Dudes with wings that fly around and stuff. It's... It's crazy, but uh, but that's all he gives you. He doesn't tell you anything else, just enough to to make you freak out. But talking about legends and everything, there actually is a legend in Yi of this guy that 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 once upon a time everything pretty much in Essos was ruled by this guy that they called the God on Earth. 
um, and he ruled what was the great empire of the dawn. And he was the son of another god, the Lion of Night. And eventually this Lion of Night ushered in, in Yi Ti, or in the, in the East, he ushered in the Long Night. And we don't huh. know what it's about, or it doesn't give too much information. But there's all these heroes that they talk about, and Azora High is, is one of them, with Lightbringer and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and eventually they cast him out, and everything got good again, just like the legend that we have in Westeros. And what's interesting is that on the east end of Yi-T, there's something called the Five Forts. Did you read about that at all? Uh, I rem- I read about it a long time ago. Right. I remember them. Right. Yes. So the five forts, they're these huge forts built out of fused black stone. Stone, yeah, yeah. Even though yeah. they predate the, the Valyrian Freehold's rise. Yep. Um, that were said to keep the Lion of Night and his demons from the realms of men. They're monstrous godlike structures like the frickin' wall. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And the mountains, yeah, it... and the mountains also. So sorry, and then I'm gonna you know, be done. <laughs> so the the beyond the five forts is what is called the Gray Waste, which kind of reminds uh-huh. me of the Great North, um, and, and the mountains that that kind of the five forts are based in are also called the Mountains of the Morn, you know, morning coming after night. Uh, it, there's so much we could talk about there with these legends converging and potentially being this i don't know have you ever seen i don't remember where i saw this i'm stealing it from someone clearly i'm sorry i'm not giving credit to whoever came up with this or drew it but do you ever see the map of westeros kind of globularized made into a globe right wherein wherein the north like above westeros actually ends up being part of essos and like connects up there right Yes. Have you seen that? And, and somehow the others are sandwiched between, between. the five yes. forts and the wall. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I believe... The others are, like, in this ET region that you're talking about. The, the gray waste and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and that's super fascinating. Now, I think I did see a Sospake Martin where he said something that they, Essos and, and Westeros it. weren't attached. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't mean that, you know that others can't be there but it's just interesting to think where this all started and and are these legends actually the same thing uh did all this protection against the others maybe start in the east in yt that is however old it is and it all made its way you know to eventually to westeros you talk about the valyrians coming up with the with the dragon steel as john calls it and stuff but Maybe that started clear before them, right? It's just super well, fascinating. Yeah, the Targaryens, the Valyrians, or not the Targaryens, the Valyrians are so far away from either of those places that you're saying others might be above, you know, above at the top end of Westeros or in this Grey Waste region. Why would they have any motivation for doing that? Uh-huh. Right? For coming up with Valyrian steel to combat them, yeah. or was it just lucky that right. they found out? Yeah. The fire. So and there's ice so thing. much. Like th- this is the kind of stuff, and I don't, I don't mean to like scare everyone or whatever, but this is the kind of stuff where I'm like, how can he possibly tie this up in two books? <laughs> there is so much. And maybe he'll just leave it, but like, there's so much history to be explained about Valyria and how this is tied in, and these black stones, and like, I know, 
I know us fans, like, we go off the fucking rails with these theories, but there's there's stuff in that he's left these things to be found. They can't be nothing. Like, is he just going to leave them? Right. Or is he going to, like, oh, man, I just don't know. Yeah, we often talk about how he's going to tie up character arcs and how just that alone is daunting a task yeah. enough in two books. But and I can't believe I'm going to say this, stuff. but forget characters for a minute and just think about the world itself. Exactly. Like how do you tie up the, the, how are you the facts of the in? world? Yi-T yeah. has hardly been mentioned at all in the yeah. five actual books. And yeah. it's always like in passing, like these silks from E.T. or something like that. And all the, st- all the black stones too. You got the sea stone yeah. chair and like uh, dragon stone and uh, something at the citadel. Mm-hmm. Uh, these forts. There's like a handful of them that are just like mentioned, but they don't, we don't, like nothing, you know? Yep. Yep. And yeah. Until we got the more. world of Ice and Fire, more. we had nothing on besides yeah. that. Super yep. fascinating. So anyways, um, I think we've pretty much covered all that is out there to be covered about this legend. But uh, pick up your copies of the World of Ice and Fire and go look up the ET section. And it's all explained pretty well there. Or log into the wiki but it's all summarized there as well right uh could get interesting to find out where this all started right yeah yeah um i i i i just don't even th- all that stuff in essos and the stuff we like et and all those regions i just try not to think about it because i get too excited <laughs> about like the so fascinating to me yeah so yeah, fascinating once you get past like uh, even like Slaver's Bay, that stuff doesn't really interest me. But further east, you know, out further in east, Karth, yeah, yeah. the Shy, Et, yeah. uh, what's yeah. that one place? Jogo, Jogo Nai. The the part right above the mount. There's that mountainous area that supposedly maybe you can't get through. Uh-huh. But above that, to the north, right? There's like that passage yeah. area that you can like go through. It's middle. It's deserty, or I can't remember exactly. But that part, I think that's actually part of where the gates are, right? Yep. Some of the gates, but. Yeah, all of it. Just like like what stops what stops these huge calisars from going that way? Mm-hmm. They got the you know. Anyway, we can talk about that forever. The Dothraki Sea and Vice Dothrak is actually up, kind of in that northeasternish area, and like they just stop there. Yeah, like they don't go up for there. whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and there, yeah, let's move on. The Dothraki are not wusses. No. Uh, y- yes, yes, let's move on here. We could talk forever yep. about that stuff and uh, guessing stuff. Let's see. I want to save maybe Brienne for the end. Do you think we'll see Salador San again? Or is his plotline just wrapped up? I don't know. Are we done with I, that guy? I kind of hope we're done with him. He's fine. He's I don't great. hate him or yeah. anything. He's fine. He's Move fine. On. But I don't like narrative purpose wise. I don't know why he'd come back to get paid. To get paid by Stannis, like he rejoins on Stannis' side, or to take up arms against him in revenge because he's so bitter about it. Uh-huh. Like he could, he could end up helping Danny's, uh, Danny's group cross the sea, maybe right. with his boats or something. Yeah, but I don't know. That could be it's fun. Nothing but speculation. I don't know that I care either way. Can you actually pay me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll pay you with a dragon of your choice. In. And then I will burn you instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danny, you bitch. Salad or sand. 
He would love Danny. He would just love her. I don't know how you mean, but probably in all senses, yes. He would. He would. Uh, you know? Oh, so just a couple maybe quick hit things from the John and Sam chapters. Uh, you made this point. Uh, yeah, I think you're just humoring my, my Mance Rhaegar obsession, where I think that, for those who haven't heard... There's a theory out there. I thought that it was an original from me, and then I looked on the internet and realized it's been around for a long time. I did not think of it myself. <laughs> well, I did think of it myself, but and it you was the first to think of it. It wasn't yeah. an origin. It was an original thought for me, but uh, <laughs> turns out a lot of people thought of it before I did. Um, so if Mance Ray, if Mance is Rhaegar, then the little boy he's sending away would actually be John's little half-brother, right? Yeah. And yep. would potentially and have a to claim throne. to the throne. Behind, yeah, I mean, behind a few people, but yeah. Right. So let's see, Rhaegar would be the rightful king. Yep. Aegon would be after that. If it's really Aegon. If it's really Aegon, yeah. Then Then John. John. Then this baby they've sent away, and then Danny. Right. Yeah. I mean, assuming. Uh, sorry, that's assuming he legitimized John, and assuming he legitimized. Right, because they're technically uh, bastards. Baby. They're technically bastards. You'd have to legitimize them. Yeah. Which there's precedence for that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, as we've talked before, it's mostly about people what's the the it was the whole Varus thing about people who people follow and how they choose to follow who they follow uh you know maybe you don't need them to be legitimized it just depends on if they're willing to follow john it's where this baby it's where people yeah. think power resides power resides yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's part of but melisandre's yes. appeal it looks like right. she has power and therefore but technically yeah, that, that would that would be the order yeah Interesting. And you, uh, in your notes, you pulled out that quote where it says, Mance's blood is no more royal than my own, said by Jon Snow. Uh, yeah, it's tr- it's trolling for sure. Mm-hmm. If if he knew about the theory, for instance, right. that he's totally trolling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that, right? Suckers. Yeah. Uh, also, another little tiny thing in this chapter. Oh, sorry. Was there anything else about the Mance Rhaegar stuff you wanted to cover? I don't think so. I mean, the Ma- the Mance Rhaegar thing is it's a fun little theory to to right. be around. I don't I don't really believe it, but it's bastard. It's fun. Well, because because I mean, no, we never get we never get Mance Rhaegar's POV, but he gives he would have to know that Jon Snow was his, uh-huh. and so and gives no sort of indication that that's the case. I mean, maybe he trusts him a little too easily. I've always thought that it's like. You trusted this guy way too fast, right? But, but he doesn't. He doesn't treat him special enough that you would to your son, right? And maybe that's purposeful. That's... But... <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Randall Tarley right. could chain his boy up to a, I'm <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> yes. One, right. One day I'll fulfill my my promise of writing up the Mance Rhaegar theory, but it's out there already. I don't need to rewrite it. Unless you got some original thoughts. Uh, I don't know. If it ties into Team John, which might. Oh boy, Team John. Yeah, there's still that big old thing. Yeah, there was some stuff with Amon 
with with the book, mm-hmm. the Jade Compendium and stuff that I read some theories on today on the wiki or, or on the, it was on the message boards uh, just about does Amon it's old 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 posts I think you know is is Amon actually is he aware of who John is right and is he is he teasing him along with some uh, you know some dragony Targaryeny uh, literature here I think I put it in my notes as well um, we don't need to touch on it too much but you know is he is, does he know of John's heritage and I I think the evidence is no he doesn't hmm. or he or he would be acting differently too but mm-hmm. but maybe I just I it's just part finished of, part of Team John I just finished the Harry Potter series I listened okay. to it on audiobook and all right are you, I, you and you've you know of Harry Potter but have you read the books no, I have not read any of the books. Uh-huh. I've seen, I think, all of the movies, and somehow I just kind of know most of the story, right? Um, from people talking and you know various things. But mm-hmm. no, I have never read the books. I started reading the first one to my child, and will continue to do that when Pippin gets old enough to really take it in. Take it in, yeah. Um, it was just too early; he's just too young. Uh, but I'll try again when he's a little bit older. I'm excited to do that because it'll be new stuff for me to read and something we can do together. And right, and you kind hopefully, of, get, hopefully get him on a fantasy kick. You grow, you kind of grow with the books too. They they start out right. as children's books, yeah. and it feels like the last book is not a children's book at all. Right. But anyways, uh, part of that is at the end where Harry Potter has to go and find all the ways to kill Voldemort and there's the horcruxes that he has to find, which are parts of Voldemort's soul that he has to find and destroy. Yep. And there's a whole big thing on that. Um, Spoilers. If you haven't read Harry Potter, I figure it's been out long enough that yeah, <laughs> I'm just you kidding. better. Uh, and part of Harry Potter's frustration is that um, what's his name? Gosh, Dumbledore. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the main character. I spaced on his name earlier in this cast, too. <laughs> Dumbledore uh, doesn't uh, give Harry more information before he dies. Uh, yeah. Also, spoiler alert, Dumbledore dies. Um, and, and he's frustrated that in the whole book. And later he kind of has this visiony thing towards the end of the seventh book where he talks to Dumbledore and he asks him why he didn't, why he didn't give him more info and why he made him figure, you know, why he just kind of left him hanging. And Dumbledore says, it's because you needed to figure this out and you needed to want to do this. You needed to come to the conclusion that you needed to do this on your own. Right. Because that will give you all the more conviction to do what you had to do, which was some incredibly difficult things, including Harry going to what he thought was going to be his own death and do it willingly and do it for the right reason. Right. Um, you know, develop that conviction within yourself. And if team John is true, if there's these guys that are rooting to kind of get John to where he is destiny wise or where he's supposed to be destiny wise, that could be why it's a little standoffish that they need him to get there on his own right yeah and want it's similar to what we talked about similar to what we talked about in the last episode about world like countries in the world and getting to these social social changes oh, yeah. by themselves yeah rather With than the danny stuff on them uh-huh. they yeah. gotta want yeah, they gotta wanna yeah right you gotta wanna yeah yeah that was a reach around that was a big time reach around a satisfying one too yeah mm. yummy i aim to please and you rarely have failed me in that regard. <laughs> At least there's somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Brienne. Brienne, Brienne. Duncan the Tall.
Dope and the tall, yeah. They gotta be related, right? Well, I don't... Do you want to give us the background real quick? Well, I mean, we can give the background. This has been confirmed by George. Pretty much. In, directly. In a suspect Martin, he actually indicated that Brienne is is a descendant of, of Duncan. I don't know that it's directly. Uh, I was looking at the quote, but it's... It's pretty much. He all but says it. Are, the thing from May May of 2016? Yeah, the Balticon thing. Yeah, the Balticon thing. The, the fan asks, will we ever learn how Brienne descends from Dunk? And Gurm replies, eventually, all will be revealed in time. Like, he, he basically, yeah, like, he's saying it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty well... I, I, I mean, I think, look, narratively... Narratively, it's all there for us anyway. Right. Um, you know, they live, they live very similar lives. The shield was at, uh, just thematically, right? Like the wandering, you know, the wandering knight that's barely a knight, kind of a thing. Um, Even the Brienne Pod the squire, and Duncan you know, Egg squire relationships yep. are the same, right? Yeah, she, same, she sees she sees Dunk's shield in, in, at Tarth, and and it strikes her enough to remember it and have it painted on her own shield, which she now carries around. I mean, it's... It, it's there. He's trolling us huge if it's not true. Right. I mean, it's it, it would be to the level of you're disrespecting your audience <laughs> at this point if it's not true, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's true. Now the question, though, is does it have any narrative value other than just providing some connective tissue between Duncan Eggs Easter and, egg. and the Song of Ice and Fire main series? Yeah, I saw something interesting online again. God, I'm terrible today. But I saw something interesting online today about, you know, there's that whole theory about uh, about Jamie and Cersei being uh, Aeris, Aeris children and not Tywin's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get that with theory. Tyrion too, right? Yeah, and then there's, you know, if, if Dunk, uh, how, how did, how did, Brienne end up being, uh, you know, related to Dunk. He was at court, uh-huh. broke his Night's Watch vows with a Targaryen. Kingsguard vows. Kingsguard vows, yep, with the Targaryen uh, woman. And then that woman ended up getting married to Tarth or something and raised the child there on Tarth. And now what you have actually is Targaryen blood uh, in Jaime and in Brienne. Uh, and that's a narratively maybe interesting i don't know whoa yeah <laughs> it's a reach it's a reach all right man. yeah party a little, on a little bit yeah uh i don't know beyond that uh is it more than just kind of interesting how their lives shadow each other i don't know just kind um, of fun stuff you know why not yeah I... m- maybe i mean maybe it tells you you know we don't know i don't think we know a ton about Dunk's exploits outside of the United Set of Kingdoms. We know how he ends. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, he dies at Summer Hall with, with Egg with there. Egg. Um, uh, you know, so maybe it's it, you could it could serve to be prophetic in some way that Brienne would have a similar end, mm-hmm. uh, and that would be certainly narratively interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. Yep. And if it's just for fun, it's just for fun. Like that, that's, that's cool fine. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool too. It seems like. The more I read these, the more I, I 
come to the conclusion that, you know what, maybe not everything has to be central to the overall ending of the story. Maybe some of it could just be there. And that's it. Yes, I agree with that, with the caveat that if he leaves too many breadcrumbs... You you better follow through on some of this crap, man. (laughs) Yeah, it, it could be... You know, I'm not going to be angry. It's his story. Right. Like I'm not. You know, I have no right to anything. But you know, if you leave breadcrumbs, you kind of have a little bit of a responsibility as a professional to clean them up. You know. Uh-huh. But but this one, no, this wouldn't bother me if it didn't end up being some sort of momentous reveal about you know who she is or her lineage or you know and you know she's a secret Targaryen kind of a thing. Right. It, it wouldn't bother me if none of that came to the fore, if it just ended up being kind of a literary mm-hmm. device of echoing his path with her path, you know, 80 years later. Right. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, a couple little tiny things that I noticed, um, the snowflakes melting in, he, John always seems to notice snowflakes melting in hair. You remember him? him the, well, I remember the Rob thing. Yes. To the Rob thing. So he, yeah. he noticed snowflakes melting in Rob's hair when they parted ways at Winterfell. And four times, according to A Search of Ice and Fire, John notices them on Sam as well. It's happened before. Yeah. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it. You know, it was the snowflakes melting in Rob's hair, one of the last things he noticed before they parted ways and never saw each other again. And, you know, I don't know if this is symbolic of John and Sam uh, parting for the final time. Uh, maybe they won't end up back together. But I don't know. What are the other instances? So four times with Sam? Yeah. This this being the last one, obviously? Yeah, just like other times when they're around Winterfell and stuff. It's I don't remember the exact occurrences, but just notice snowflakes in Sam's hair. I think I... Yeah, I put like okay. snowflakes into the search of ice and fire and narrowed it down to just John and Sam chapters and got a few hits. So. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if it means anything. I mean, they're, they're certainly close. Um, I, I think if, if anything, maybe it's, if, if it's, if this is one of those deliberate breadcrumbs, uh, from George, it's meant to show you, how brotherly these two men are. Yeah, like like that, him and Rob. That it ties him back to Rob uh-huh. and that brotherly relationship that they had. Sam and John are brothers just like Rob and John were brothers. And it's that important. And so he's made, made that effort to tie them together in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, humored myself by going into the little snowflake thing. Is there anything that you wanted to, to cover before we sign uh-huh. off? Any little things that we haven't brought up that you're like, that's super interesting to me? Um, let's see. Um, we've got the, what ends, maybe what ends up happening to the dwarf that Brienne met. Oh, I was wondering about that. Like, do they, is he one of the guys that gets beheaded at Cersei's, uh, Cersei's place? So later on, three men give Cersei Lannister a dwarf's head, uh, uh, and one of the they they say that the dwarf told them before they killed him that he was a sparrow. Oh uh, yeah. So how many dwarf I mean, sparrows are out there? I and mean, there could be a few, but yeah, yeah, probably. I wondered if that was true. Uh, anytime you meet a dwarf, you're like, oh, you're gonna be headless soon, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I guess you asked if I had anything a flight of fancy that I just wanted to bring up. Uh-huh. I, I don't know that we have much analysis about it, but. 
one of the things you get with Septa Lamore from the fandom is just a ton of a ton of wondering about who she is. Sure. Um, and there, you know, there's all sorts of theories of Shara and uh, other people. Um, but you don't hear that much about Halden Halfmeister. Right. And I wonder why that is. And similarly, you know, with George is also often doing this wordplay stuff, uh, there's a bit in there where, where Raleigh, Sir Duck, says, uh, who's the knight, me or you? And, uh, you know, that question goes unanswered. He's saying it sarcastically because he's being ordered around mm-hmm. by the half-maester to, to move the crates. And it's true. This guy's ordering him around as if he's a lord. And um, there is, again, uh, I'm terrible. I saw, you know, somebody was suspecting maybe that, that Halden was, uh, was it Leighton, old, Leighton uh, Hightower, Hightower of Old Town that hasn't been seen in fucking forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe yeah, he's freaking he Jerrion Lannister. Now Tyrion would recognize maybe, him. But... Yeah, Tyrion would hopefully recognize him. Mm-hmm. And certainly Jerrion would recognize Tyrion and maybe yeah. not treat him so shittily. But it could, yeah, is he somebody? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's somebody. And why isn't there more speculation from the fandom about that? Um, that's the main question I have. Why aren't people as worried about Halden as they are about Septa Lamore? It's an interesting question and one that I'll admit I've been caught in because he's just been kind of a character to me. He's not one I've yeah. wondered a lot about, which maybe that's George's purpose is to make you not think too much about him and then suddenly come well, roaring onto the scene. He does serve a and- purpose in that he's... Uh, he's obviously got a lot of knowledge, but yep. Gurm establishes early on through his conversations with Tyrion that his knowledge isn't perfect, right? That yeah. he's, he's, he's made some little errors here and there on some things. And you know that he's been primarily uh, in charge of young Griff's instruction. So what kind of things is he filling young Griff's head with that maybe not yeah. be true? And uh, so there's kind of that uh, he could serve the purpose of making young griff fallible in a way but what were you gonna say but you know know, well you know whose knowledge is imperfect you know the kind of maester whose knowledge is imperfect a maester who isn't a maester but is really a lord (laughs) right yeah and uh you know i don't know who he is i don't don't have any theories to, to lay out i only really kind of thought of this you know i don't know wednesday of this week or something but um it did strike me it was interesting mm-hmm and to your point earlier not everybody has to be a secret Targaryen or a hidden lord or, you know, something. Characters, some of them are just characters. And, you know, I probably shouldn't look too deep into it, but we look into Septim Lamore for some reason, and why not this guy? Right. Well, she's got birthmarks on her tummy, Scott. Yeah, and violet eyes or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or lilac, I don't remember. Well, Halden's got a man bun, and that's cool to me, so. Man, I... Look, I'm sure we have some listeners that wear man buns, but I don't fucking get it. It's one of those things where if you can pull it off, I think it's hotter than heck, man. But not everyone can. You and I will talk about this over lunch someday. I don't, I'm not getting it. Uh, we've got a big lunch conversation coming up. That <laughs> we do. To I'm gonna, for. You're going to spoil the crap out of me. Yeah. About all the stuff from the show. I am go- For those that don't know. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's talk to... about this. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Since we're only two hours and 28 minutes. Yeah, we got cast. some time to kill. Uh, nobody cares about this. I'm going to Ice and Fire Con, uh, which is an event I'm ex- so excited about. You're going to have a great it's, time. 
yeah, I mean, you know, hundreds of people just there to basically hang out and talk and do activities around A Song of Ice and Fire. It sounds like the nerdiest nerdgasm ever. I'm really excited. Um, some of the people that, uh, you know, that we talk about on this cast all the time are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to, not as any sort of, you know, not as any sort of supported promotional guest or anything, just to just to go and be a fan. And uh, where was I even going with this? Uh, the, the reason for the spoiler. Oh, the reason for the spoilers. I just, everyone there is going to be show watchers too. And I just know they're going to talk about all sorts of shit with the show. And for those of you who don't know, Scott has been adamant about staying away from the show and being spoiled by the stuff that's come out in recent seasons of Game of Thrones. And I've done pretty well. You've done very well. Remarkably well for how popular the show is. Yeah. And and how involved in the fandom we are. Right. It's, it's, I'm surprised at how well I've been able to isolate myself. But, um, I just know it's going to happen. And so I decided probably the best thing to do is to let my tender loving friend, Matt, tell me these things gently <laughs> rather than go to ice and fire con and have somebody like expose to me that others are really children of the forest or something. And like, have to like curl up into a ball and cry <laughs> myself to sleep. Uh, I better just get it dosed to me before then. So I'm not a complete moron at the con. So, so we're going to be having a lunch soon. That'll be a long lunch discussion. Yeah. And it'll be like, man, I'm, I'm like kind of dreading it. It's like <laughs> just ruining all these things. Well, I've even, yeah. I've even invested time into helping protect you from it. And it's become yeah, like this have. little, it's like my Brienne sacred quest. charge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a to sacred protect charge you have. from the spoilers. Yeah. And, I've appreciated it greatly. And now it's all going to come crashing down. But... Yeah. No, 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 not crashing. It's like a gentle, yeah. a gentle caressing yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. But... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's going to happen. Over some Brazilian steakhouse, maybe. Ooh, there you go. That'll help That'll ease us choice. into it. Yeah. But um, you're going to have a great time there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I I regret not being able to go. You got other shit fun. going on, man. No big deal. Yeah. It was not easy for me to make happen. Got to be an adult sometimes. Yeah. And the adulting That's... comes at the most inconvenient of times. But <laughs> oh well. Uh, are we done? I think we're done. <laughs> we should. I think be we done. were done at least yeah. fifteen minutes ago. Yeah. <clears throat> no, we were done back at the Beauty and the Beast chat. That's when we were done. <laughs> you know what? At some point, this cast has to have some valuable societal substance and impact. And so I'm glad we had that Beat in the Beast discussion. It was nice. It was nice. I hope people <laughs> take it in the way it was intended to be taken. See where we're coming from. You know what? I've come to realize people are going to take it how they take it, and we just got to be true to ourselves. To thine own self be true, Hamlet. 54 episodes in, and it hasn't let us down yet. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, let's sign off ready here. for sign-offs? Yep. Yeah. Uh, my sign-off is just a song of madness based. It's been on my mind a lot lately. So if you can't dis- – this is Matt signing off, reminding you that if you can't decide on who you like more, just go who has go with who has the best teeth. Yeah, a good criteria to go by. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I've done these in the past – a little Song of Ice and Fire Lord of the Rings mashup. Hmm. Kill the boy. Put aside the ranger. Become who you were born to be.
Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, a little uh, Era John. Oh, Era John. Yeah. Jonagon? Jonagon. I like this. Era John, like, fits maybe a little better, but Jonagon is much more catchy. So, yeah. okay. All Call right, it what bye, you will. Everybody. Good night, everyone. See ya. So here's what we'll be covering. I always forget that I'm like the next. <laughs> it's thing. like, hey, oh shit, we did 53 episodes. Dies hard. <laughs> they always say there can be only two, but like one of them is always dicking over the other one to make a third one. Sorry, That's I'm the idea. Star Wars now. Yeah. Yep. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Always planning. Well, they're planning on bringing on their apprentice, right? Right. Which is Betrayed. a third for a little while. Yeah. To eventually yeah. go in and kill the first one. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like, uh, I feel like the new canon stuff really betrays that. Like, there are, there are, like, evil Force users all over the place. Like, if you watch, uh, well, like, you're watching Rebels, right? Yes. Um, they've got that, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the, I don't basically remember, the hunter but I know who you're Jedi. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, he's not a, he's not a Sith, obviously, but he's trained in the arts, and they're not hiding him. Mm-hmm. And like in Clone Wars, there was uh, what's her name? Gosh, I can't believe I'm Ventress. blowing up the names. Ventress, yeah, Saj Ventress. Like it seems like, and the, uh, they had uh, in Clone Wars two, there was another guy that was uh, like Darth Maul. It was like his brother or cousin or something. Yeah, like him. Then you have like, like yellow the, skin or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can't, I can't remember his name now. Savage Press was his name. It's like they don't even really hide it sometimes. But mm-hmm. anyway, there can be only two plus however many. However many you want. Well, and that's something that, admittedly, the expanded universe never got into. It's like if you were a bad guy, you were a Sith. And one thing that I like the new canon is exploring is, no, Sith is kind of like almost a, special a religion, right? Yeah. That yeah. that's dabbles or that takes as its main tenant the dark side. But... Yeah, they're they're not like one and the same. That if you use the dark side, you're Sith, not necessarily. Yeah, you can you in yeah in the new canon you can use the dark side. That doesn't make you a Sith. Exactly. Like I don't know what pat like is there a written and a and a driving course they have to pass, <laughs> written in an oral course to to actually become a Sith, right? But uh, or some sort of spiritual journey. But I don't know if they've fleshed that out well enough in what I've read, but. Yeah, and it's it's actually the same thing uh, with the light side. That now that I think about it, that is introduced in Rogue One, right? Yeah, with the religion that the the wills. Uh, what's their yeah. What's the, yeah the wills. Yeah, they're not exactly Jedi, but they're influenced by the Force and everything. So, yeah, it's interesting. They're like worshippers of the light side, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they explore that. I, like. That's all. That's all fascinating stuff to me. Like, are the are, you know are, are Kennedy and the whole creative team like sitting in a room somewhere? Like, okay, we're going to create this whole new universe of ideas, jumping just off world of all that old stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, let's just build like this whole world. The Wills was that anywhere? Maybe in the old Canada was. I don't know. But like, we're going to build on that now, and that's going to yeah. be a big thing. And there might be movies about it later, and certainly novels and. Well, that goes clear back to the Wills is, was was an original part of the Star Wars thing from George Lucas. It was in the original title of the film of Star Wars. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It was The Adventures of Luke Starkiller, back when he was Starkiller, mm-hmm. uh, as related in the Journal of the Wills or something like that. Oh, it was the original okay. title of the screenplay. So it's yeah. kind of an older but thing then that it, they're bringing back. But the, but he kind of dropped yeah. it, right? They never explored it. He just it really. dropped it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> huh. Anyways. Anyway. It's, it's, it's just interesting. Like, when Disney took over... I don't know. We're spending a lot of time talking about this. But when Disney took over, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, they're going to ruin it or they're going to monetize it so badly. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But you know what else? They've also got a ton of talent to throw at it and the willingness to throw that talent around. Lucas was one dude, and one dude can't come up with all these ideas. It's just, it'll break his brain. You well, know? and the problem with that is there was no one to check him. That's the, yeah, that's that's the trouble he got into later. Yeah. yeah. Is that there was with no the one there to check yeah, him. Yeah, when the prequels just... came around, he was such a god that everyone was like, okay, whatever you say, man. Cool. Yeah, it was just one yeah. big, they were just yes, all man. sucking him off. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm done. I remember watching a, a special feature where he comes walking out of his office and he slaps a, a big sheaf of papers down on the desk to his assistant or whatever, and he's like, "Here's the script to episode three. and everyone in the office is like, "Yay! Oh my gosh! This is amazing! <laughs> Hero worship!" <laughs> yeah. You haven't even read it, but I'm sure yeah. they'll read it and be like, "This doesn't make sense." Oh, it's so wonderful, George. Yeah. Uh. Hey guys, hope you liked today's episode. Just one bit of music to give credit to, and that was the song Outbound Train that you just heard from Ryan Adams' new album, Prisoner. I haven't been able to stop listening to that album in like the two weeks since I got it. It's fantastic. I love it. Highly recommend it. Uh, Join us next time. We love you guys, and you're the best.